Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. chapters these chapters i i i wish we could literally just read all three chapters out loud in full there's <laughs> um, to discuss there's a lot going on there's a lot going on there's just so many horses first of all this i think might be our most horse dense chapter yet chapters that's, yeah that's possible i think i feel like even more than some of the other Rohan snippets we've experienced. And in addition to being stuffed to the to the brim with horses, it's also chock full of emotions. Funny how those two things go together consistently. Yeah, it's who can say what the correlation is there. Step right up, step right up. I got your Aragorn and Eowyn feelings. I got your Faramir feelings. I got your Merry feelings. I got your Pippin feelings. I got your Gimli feelings. You want feelings? Wow. I got them. Half price, baby. I think only Legolas here really doesn't have a lot of feelings. I mean, yeah. that's. I think that's, you know. This is like, you know those sales where like a local place will send you a brown paper sack in the mail and it's like, everything you can fit in this bag is... 30% off or whatever. That's what this chapter is. It's like just crammed, everything crammed into a bag, desperately searching for the feelings discount. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we, like, we just start right off with horses as a, just as a heads up. Do we want to, one, do introductions and two, talk about what chapters we're talking about? Yes, that's, yeah. I had forgotten about the introductions, but I wasn't, I or I was going to do the chapters thing. Um, hi, I'm Joey, this voice right here in your ears, and my pronouns are they and he. And this voice right here is Caitlin. My pronouns are they and also them. Dealer's <laughs> choice, I guess, on that one. <laughs> Um, and we are covering chapters two, 
three and four today in book five. five. So the first half of The Return of the King. Chapter two is The Passing of the Grey Company through chapter four, which is The Siege of Gondor. As a reminder, we read chapter one of this book previously but then we went back like we skipped ahead to read it which was Gandalf and Pippin like arriving in Minas Tirith and then we went back and read Frodo and Sam <laughs> yeah, chapters yeah, we had a real and then we realized that that was not that working that was a terrible idea and we need to just anyways so uh moving forward now that's that's what we're doing and we start chapter two just right off with some horses it says Gandalf was gone aka to Minas Tirith with Pippin after Pippin foolishly looked in the Palantir and the thudding hoofs of Shadowfax were lost in the night when Mary came back to Aragorn after saying goodbye. Ugh! Yeah. He's so sad. He's so sad. And then blah, 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 blah. Hasufel was already saddled. Legolas and Gimli with their horse stood close by. Wow. They're, they're mutually. There was there, only one horse. There was, there was only one horse. They're mutually owned horse. It's the equivalent of like, oh my god, they were roommates. Yeah. They, their horse. And Aragorn is like, well, four of us left. We'll ride on together. Um, and then he references one of the, the Nazgul mounts as a winged shadow. Um, they, so far, the books have not called them... Fell beasts? fell beast i think that might like be a mo- movie i think does. that's a movie thing i don't uh, as we have encountered them they have never been referred to that way actually tolkien has been like far more oblique about what they are and what they look like mainly the focus has been their emotional effect on on the people who encounter them yeah we only ever see them through the eyes at least so far of the fellowship etc who are sort of seeing them for the first time and they are like unknown and terrifying and so and they don't have a word that's like oh yep that's what that animal is yeah 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 (laughs) so they call them various other things and legolas is like i'll go with you and gimli immediately responds and gimli with him which is cute they're you know they're in love their boyfriends and mary yeah mary immediately jumps in with don't leave me behind i have not been of much use yet but i don't want to be laid aside like baggage to be called for when all is done i don't think the riders will want to be bothered with me now though of course the king did say that i was to sit by him when he came to his house and tell him about the shire and aragorn is like yeah i don't know about that one bro (laughs) (laughs) god aragorn says yes and your road lies with him i think mary but do not look for mirth at the ending it will be long i fear ere theoden sits at ease again in meduseld many hopes will wither in this bitter spring fucking damn it aragorn like yeah. Way to give Mary no comfort whatsoever. Yeah, it reminds me of Gandalf in the last movie segment. Yeah. When all of the like all of the soldiers upon the wall at Minas Tirith are like, oh my god, like do you think Rohan is coming? Like, are we are we gonna be okay? And Gandalf is just like, uh, courage is the best defense. Yeah. 
And then it says, soon all were ready to depart. Twenty-four horses with Gimli behind Legolas and Merry in front of Aragorn. I'm glad we I get that like... detail of who rides in what order. Yeah. I actually feel like part of that is about their weapons of choice. Like, because Legolas is an archer, like, and, and Aragorn has a sword. Like, I feel like you can still kind of do swings of a sword with a person in front of you in a way that you cannot draw a bow. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe Gimli just really likes having his arms around Legolas's waist. Yeah, God, truly. <laughs> And just, like, turning his head to the side and and laying his cheek against his boyfriend's back. Yeah. Mm. It's, a tr- it's a stressful time, and he needs to sniff his emotional support boyfriend's hair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Presently, they were riding swiftly through the night. I'm not gonna just read this whole thing, but there's, like, a bunch of horse stuff here. There's so just I'm so just many. reading the horse stuff. Yeah, um, there's so many horse references. They had not long passed the mounds at the fords of Eisen when a rider galloped up from the rear of their line. My lord, he said to the king, there are horsemen behind us. As we crossed the fords, I thought that I heard them. Now we are sure. They are overtaking us, riding hard. And they, you know, turn around and seize their spears and kind of like get ready. And it says Mary felt more like unneeded baggage than ever. And he wondered if there was a fight, what he should do. He also, he realizes that a fight might be coming and he, he draws his sword, which is cute, and also tightens his belt. Yeah. You know? Yep. Then they, so the party is kind of getting ready and they all heard the sound of hoofs coming up behind them. Yes. And then Aemir says, halt. The pursuers brought their steeds to a sudden stand. A silence followed, and then in the moonlight, a horseman could be seen dismounting and walking slowly forward. His hand showed white as he held it up, palm outward, in token of peace, but as the king's men, but the king's men gripped their weapons. At ten paces, the man stopped. He was tall, a dark standing shadow. Then his clear voice rang out. Rohan? Rohan, did you say? That is a glad word. We seek that land in haste from long afar. Uh, honestly, this whole exchange reads weirdly to me because it it feels like forced scariness. Like Tolkien is trying too hard to build suspense in a way that doesn't actually make sense to me. When Aemir said, halt, halt, who rides in Rohan? Like these new guys obviously heard that. And they should have just immediately said, oh, like, we're allies looking for you. Instead of this, like, stopping their horses, slowly walking forward in dead silence. And (laughs) then saying something. I don't know. Yeah. But they are rangers of the north, we soon discover. And, like, they're dramatic bitches. Like, I mean... (laughs) I mean, where do you think Aragorn got it from? Like, right? Like, imagine that first—the first scene we get of Strider in *The Prancing Pony*, with his supple leather boots. Oh God! <laughs> and and the hooded cloak, and the, you know, <laughs> like imagine that all Rangers of the North have that energy. Oh God! Um, <laughs> this reminds me our conversation with Rain about like euphemisms. Like, you know, are they a friend of Bilbo? Are his yeah. boots? Supple? <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, um, so the guy says, you know, Halbarad Dunadan, Ranger of the North I am. We seek one Otagorn, son of Adathorn, and we heard that he was in Rohan. And then Otagorn is like, and you have found him also. Halbarad, <laughs> of all joys, this is the least expected. And he gives him a hug. Again, you know, my thing where I think Otagorn has dated, like, everyone, he's yeah. also dated Halbarad, obviously. Well, this is just so interesting, too, because in the books... We, we know that Aragorn has had this whole life because we meet people who were a part of it, whereas in the movies he exists much more in, in the vacuum of, like, the only people from his yeah. past, really, that we that we know and see are um, the elves at Rivendell. And I guess also he's, like, to Eowyn, he's like, oh, yeah, I fought with your fucking grandfather at this battle. But we, yeah. don't, we don't see that evidence of him having really existed in the world. Yeah, totally. I, you know, we talked previously, like, when Frodo and Sam first encountered Faramir and, you know, talked to a couple... Rangers. Rangers. We were like, wait, do these rangers know Aragorn? Like, how does this work? And I looked in my Complete Guide to Middle-Earth under Rangers, (laughs) and I will uh, read you those entries now. Rangers of Ithilien... Soldiers of Gondor, Dunedain descended from the inhabitants of Athelion. After Athelion was overrun by orcs in 2901, the rangers crossed the Anduin from time to time to harry Sauron's forces in Athelion. They used various secret retreats, of which the most important was Heneth Anun. At the time of the War of the Ring, Faramir was the captain of the rangers. It also says the rangers wore brown and green camouflage uniforms with green gloves and masks. Hmm. Elf camo. Ranger camo. I just, we could have had all these masked rangers and we did not. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then it says rangers of the north, which is Ottergorn's crew. Right. Those of the Dudendine of the north who guarded Eriador from orcs, wild animals, and other evil things after the fall of Arthedine. The rangers gave special protection to the Shire, especially during the period just before the War of the Ring. It seems that most of the male Dunedain were rangers and that they were led by the chieftain of the Dunedain, who was the heir of Isildur, a.k.a. Aragorn. They're all Dunedain. Mm-hmm. They're all descended from, you know, the Numenor or whatever. But the rangers of Athelion are descended from the inhabitants of Athelion, and that's the area they, you know, they range. <laughs> <laughs> free, they're free range, free range Dunedain. <laughs> the meat tastes yeah. better that and, way. <laughs> and the Dunedain of the North stay in the the North. And yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, so with um, Halbarad and these other Northern Rangers are also um, Eladon and Elro here, the sons of fucking Elrond. Elrond, who we haven't seen in a hot minute. They're here. No one can if tell them you... apart had two children and you had to use the first syllable of your own name as the first syllable of their names what would you call them oh my god that also brings up the interesting uh au where arwen is named elwin oh (laughs) which is cute that feels much more like a like that's like a fucking chronicles of perdane name yeah 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 if i had to name my spawn with the first syllable of my name i would have hmm let me think about this what would you have i'm trying to think too because Um, they have to be 
you know, bullshit fantasy names. Yeah. I can't just have, you know, like, Catherine's and whatnot. No. Um... Caridin. Caridin for me. Oh, okay. Does that... Okay, does, like... Yeah, it would have a it would have a fan it would have a fantasy spelling. It would be like C A R A D. I just D-I-N. like sound wise, I'm thinking K- like K-, K It's it's but... there. Caitlin Care mm, never mind. It's a little different. Caridin. Caridin. Or you could you could like hyphenate it. Or do an apostrophe, an apostrophe, oh, and then yes, it's like my yes, my my K- fantasy child, K, K apostrophe Radon, yeah, Conus Costa. <laughs> Conus Costa is the uh, name of the house in the Nancy Drew game we are currently playing. Yeah, Joe, Joe Hiram, Joe Hiram, like Rohiram, oh, but with Joe. Jo- okay. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Hiram. Joe Hiram is really good. <laughs> and and Joe Dor for like Don Dor. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, then I could have I could have Carrie Dor. Jo- like, I could have Jothilian. Just Jothilian is really good. Yeah, Jothilian. I could have Carrie Dor like Ariador. Mm, mm-hmm. That's good. And Karadrim. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I really like <laughs> okay, we have to keep moving. We're on the we're on the second page of this chapter. We're twenty minutes in. We have to go. Okay, the important thing here is that uh, they resume riding, and Ottergorn like rides with the Dunedain and gets you know the late the latest hot goss, and then hangs out with Elro here, who says, "I bring word to you from my father. The days are short. If thou art in haste." Remember the paths of the dead. Aragorn, a relatable millennial in some ways, says, Always my days have seemed to me too short to achieve my desire. Mm-hmm. But great indeed will be my haste ere I take that road. Although, I just want to say, like, he at this point says, like, Yeah, I don't think so, buddy. But, like, he <laughs> just said a page ago, For myself, it is dark before me, as in his road. I must go down also to Minas Tirith, but I do not yet see the road. An hour long prepared approaches. And it feels like he already kind of knows at that point. Yeah, he is like, an hour long prepared is like, you are you are talking about prophecy on some level. Yeah, like the fulfillment of, yeah. Yeah, of prophecy. So anyways... He can be dramatic about it. That's fine. I mean, that's that's who he is. And yeah. And simultaneous with this conversation, Halberat is like, I have a little a little something special for you from your GF. <laughs> it's a rolled up black standard. And Aragorn takes one look at that and is like, okay, just leave that one wrapped up for now, bud. <laughs> yeah, Halberat literally says she wrought it in secret and long was the making, but she also sends words to you. The days now are short. Either our hope cometh, or all hopes end. Therefore I send thee what I have made for thee. Farewell, Elfstone. I I do like how much of these chapters is people telling Aragorn, like, Hey, bud, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Uh, They spend the night somewhere. Merry slept until he was roused by Legolas and Gimli. And I just think... I love the three of them getting to hang out. Right, there's no reason for Legolas and Gimli to wake him up together. Like, Tolkien didn't have to specify that. 
right? Mm-hmm. But it just feels like like it's his two dads. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or like his his uncles or whatever. But like yeah, his they're like, uncles. hi. Hi, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Time but, to wake up. Yeah. For when he goes to spend when he goes to spend the weekend at his gay uncles. Mm-hmm. It is nice for them to like have this time one for them to hang out because you know they've all been separated and also because like mary has just voiced his fears about like being left behind by the people around him because he doesn't offer them any utility and so for legolas and gimli to come find him just to like spend time with him is yeah is nice it does like he gets up and he's He was tired and rather dismal. He missed Pippin and felt that he was only a burden while everybody was making plans for speed in a business that he did not fully understand. Um, And they say, like, Aragorn is up in a high chamber of the the Berg. The Berg? Duckburg. Um. (laughs) The Berg is also one of the bars we went to in college. The Berg. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it's that's literally what people call my town. Is just the Berg. the Berg, but it's spelled with an E and not a U, so. Yeah. Um, and, and, and. And they're talking about, like, what's going on, like, yeah, Aragorn I'm just, is. I was just trying to skip forward to, like, whatever is important next. That's all. <laughs> they just, yeah, they just hang out, they talk, they they walk, they kind of talk about what's going on. Um, and then they bump into, I think the next important thing is that they bump into Theoden. Yes, and Theoden says, but come now, eat and drink, and let us speak together while we may, and then you shall ride with me. May I? said Mary, surprised and delighted. That would be splendid. He had never felt more grateful for any kindness in words. I am afraid I am only in everybody's way, he stammered, but I should like to do anything I could, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I want to just read like this, the rest of their interaction here, but do you want to be the king here oh oh yes oh yes (laughs) i doubt it not said the king i've had a good hill pony made ready for you he will bear you as swift as any horse by the roads that we shall take for i will ride from the burg by mountain paths not by the plain and so come to adderis by way of dunharrow where the lady eowyn awaits me you shall be my esquire if you will is there gear of war in this place eomer that my sword thane could use there are no great weapon hordes here lord answered Aomer. Maybe a light helm might be found to fit him, but we have no mail or sword for one of his stature. I have a sword, said Mary, climbing from his seat and drawing from its black sheath his small bright blade. Filled suddenly with love for this old man, he knelt on one knee and took his hand and kissed it. May I lay the sword of Mariadoc of the Shire on your lap, Theoden King? he cried. Receive my service, if you will. Gladly will I... Sorry. (laughs) I am the king! I am the king! I know, I know, I know. Gladly I will take it, said the king, and laying his long old hands upon the brown hair of the hobbit, he blessed him. Rise now, Mariadoc, (laughs) Esquire of Rohan, and the house of Meduseld. Take your sword and bear it unto good fortune. As a father you shall be to me, said Mary. For a little while said Theoden. I I love the contrast here between, like, Pippin swearing to, like, cold, callous Denethor and, like, Mm -hmm. this, you know, kind of spontaneous but very 
sincere gesture from Mary. I know. Also, God, as a father you shall be to me, and Theoden saying for a little while. Like, Theoden... Yeah! Throughout this section, he he's very, like, clear-eyed about the possibility of his own death. Like, he says several times, like, listen, the stakes are high. Like... If we yeah. if we die in the pursuit of this, like that is not not a sad thing. He even says, yeah. Anyways, so then there are a bunch of riders assembly assembling. Many were already mounted on horses. On horses, <laughs> an important clarification. A thousand people had already ridden away at night, but still there would be some five hundred more to go with the king. For the most part, men from the fields and dales of Westfold. So we're talking fifteen hundred horses already like Mm -hmm. a thousand who are on their way and 500 right here a little apart the rangers sat silent in an ordered company armed with spear and bow and sword they were clad in cloaks of dark gray and their hoods were cast now over helm and head their horses were strong and of proud bearing but rough-haired and one stood there without a rider aragorn's own horse that they had brought from the north Rohiran was his name, or Rohiran? I don't know. It's R-O-H-E-R-Y-N. I feel like it's Rohiran. Okay. Uh, there was no gleam of stone or gold, nor any fair thing in all their gear and harness, nor did their riders bear any badge or token, save only that each cloak was pinned upon the left shoulder by a brooch of silver shaped like a rayed star. There's more horse stuff immediately after that. The king mounted his horse, Snowmane, and Mary sat beside him on his pony. Stibba was his name. Uh, Very cute. Aragorn's horse from the north. His, like, his horse. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the book version of Brago, really. Is, you know, we right. don't get all of the, like, the rescue and taming. But, like, Aragorn, like, has a horse that he has a bond with. And it's Rohirrin. Stibba is a fucking great pony name. It I wish is. we had known that. Before we named Mary's, I mean, we named oh, Mary's yeah. pony accidentally in the movie. Right. But it kind of already has a name. Yeah. I was just curious if this book would give me the meaning of Stibba, but it does not. Oh, do you have your language book with you? I do have my language book. I was looking in my The Complete Guide to Middle Earth because often it has translations right after names. Um, but I can also check the language book. You oh, Stibba to... is Old English for stubby. Great. I mean, that makes sense. That's about what I yeah, expected. A, st- a sturdy little mountain pony, you know? Yeah. That's really cute. Oh. Roharan means horse of the lady. Of the lady? Oh, Roharan was so named because Aragorn received him from Arwen. Arwen fucking gave, gave him, him a horse. A horse. Oh. Wow. And he literally named it Horse from My Girlfriend. My girlfriend's ho- girlfriend horse. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, oh, um, the Tolkien Gateway actually has a pretty good breakdown on the etymology. That first element is roke, which we have used several oh, right. times. Horse, yeah. of course, which is, I mean, Rohan and Rohirrim. Of course, of course. That's all, right. that's all that. Mm-hmm. See, when we do our, like, when we do our bullshit elven naming, like, we're just following canon, baby. Yeah. Do we want to recycle those names for our own purposes? Roharan and Stibba. Yeah. Yeah. I No, I think we should. So with Roharan, I think we should. Like, I think we should use that for some other horse. 
I feel like if we stipa use Stippa, canonically we should, exists. We should take whatever we named that pony mm. and recycle that name and replace it with Stippa. Yeah, I do wish we had named that pony Stippa. We have not ever, like, gone back more than, you know, over the course of an episode and renamed a horse. So I'm a little hesitant to do that just because then, like, the public record, it's like we already named this horse, you know. Unless uh-huh. we want to re-upload the podcast with a fucking, oh my God. like, correction. No, I mean, this is the correction. Like, like look, I, this happens, you know. Yeah. We have uncovered additional information and realized that that pony has a name. It's Stibba. And so... Yeah. What do, do you remember what we named that pony? Nope. It was something cute. Clover, it was something maybe? really cute. Um, yeah. Oh shoot. I think it was Clover. We'll figure it out. We can we can talk about it and make a decision when we record our next, you know, movie episode because we don't actually have to know until then. Okay, but we do need to decide at some point. Yeah. Um, okay, Mary sees Ottagorn, who looks suddenly grayer and older, and then Ottagorn comes and talks to Theoden, and they- <sighs> Tolkien gets so granular about time here. Yeah, which is also interesting because they're talking about, like, what hour- like, the journey is already going to take them days, but they're like, oh, well, we're leaving at, like, 11 a.m., so we should be here by, like- night four days from now it's like i don't think it being 11 a.m is what makes the difference there (laughs) yeah but i do i do actually like that aragorn it says specifically that he stands by the king's horse like their relationship is so interesting because it is like king to king king for king king for king um (laughs) yeah um but like is there's such respect there yeah so he tells Theoden that he's going to take the paths of the dead and it is revealed over the course of the next couple pages that he looked into the Palantir, which they're like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, um, I literally, I am like the chosen king. And so I can master the Palantir in ways that other people cannot. And like, yeah, it was really hard, but I did it. So calm down, everyone. Um, and says that that's what he's going to do oh as a side note i guess before Ottergorn talks to like Lawson and gimli fully about the palantir the three the three hunters and like the rangers and elves say goodbye to mary and the rohirrim and mary says goodbye he could find no more to say he felt very small and he was puzzled and depressed by all these gloomy words more than ever, he missed the unquenchable cheerfulness of Pippin. The riders were ready and their horses were fidgeting. He wished they would start and get it over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aragorn okay. says immediately before that to him when he's saying goodbye, he says, Farewell, Mary. I leave you in good hands, better than we hoped when we hunted the orcs to Fangorn. Legolas and Gimli will still hunt with me, I hope, but we shall not forget you. Yeah. Eomer is like, well, I had hoped to one day be able to bro out with you, but, like, you are definitely going to die. Um, so that's sad for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh. And then Aragorn and Halberad, this ranger, have a very sweet conversation about Mary. 
Aragorn rode to the dike and watched till the king's men were far down the coombe. Then he turned to Halbarad. There go three that I love, and the smallest, not the least, he said. He knows not to what end he rides, yet if he knew, he would still go on. A little people, but of great worth, are the Shire folk, said Halbarad. Little do they know of our long labor for the safekeeping of their borders, and yet I grudge it not. And, yeah, and then Aragorn explains that he looked into the Palantir, and yes. they're they're worried about it. And he says, like, yeah, I've revealed myself, which will spur him into action, which is what people are concerned about. But like, he's moving before his before he's ready, which will be an advantage for us. Yeah, we actually learn a couple chapters later that it is Aragorn looking into the Palantir that causes the darkness. Initiates right the darkness and the Minas Morgul light and like march forward. Yeah. Because when Faramir and Gandalf talk in a in the next chapter, Gandalf is like worried that it was Frodo and Sam, you know, being captured that spurred that, and then he realizes because of like Faramir's description of the timing that it was something else and there's an allusion to Aragorn. That's an interesting thing about the narrative being split like that is like it does interesting things with like cause and effect because we don't see everyone's point of views concurrently. Yeah. You know, in some ways we still get that dramatic irony of like knowing what is happening to of having information that the characters right. don't have access to. But sometimes it, it works the opposite where it's like we haven't because instead of doing, you know, kind of the more modern format of like, a, you know, a different chapter from each point of view so everything kind of comes to a head simultaneously like when we were back with Frodo and Sam it seemed like that light happened because they were spotted upon the road yeah and they were confused by it and then and but now we're like gradually sort of piecing together what yeah really happened um so Argorn explains that uh, the living have never used that road since the coming of the Rohirrim said Aragorn for it is close to them but in this dark hour, the heir of Isildur may use it if he dare. This is about the paths of the the paths of the dead, which yes. he says they need to take. Yes. Listen, this is the word that the sons of Elrond bring to me from their father in Rivendell, wisest in lore. Bid Aragorn remember the words of the seer and the paths of the dead. And what may be the words of the seer? said Legolas. Thus spoke Malbeth the seer in the days of Arvadui. Arv- do I die? Arvedui? I like Arvedui. Last king at Fornost, said Aragorn. And then there's a prophecy. And I, I don't, should we read this or can we No, I, I feel like, yeah, no, I don't. It just says at some point there's going to be a person that they'll like fulfill their oath to because it turns out that they were supposed to fight against Sauron and then they did not do that. And so Isildur cursed them and was like, you're never going to rest until your you oath fulfill is fulfilled. Oath. Yeah. And then I just, I, I love to see how much the movies draws verbatim quotes from the text. You know, they update in a yeah. lot of ways, but part of the prophecy is from the North shall he come, need shall drive him, which is... Mm from the movies. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable. Yeah. 
it says, Aragorn sprang upon Rohirrin. Then Halbarad lifted a great horn, and the blast of it echoed in Helm's Deep, and with that they leapt away, riding down the coombe like thunder, while all the men that were left on Dyke or Berg stared in amaze. Yeah, and okay, hold on, before that... It, it wouldn't yes. be it wouldn't be a Shadowfax book episode without several yeah. but before that's Aragorn after the prophecy to Gimli and Legolas is like listen you have the information now um therefore only of your free will would I have you come for you will both find toil and great fear and maybe worse I just love I love friendship you know Gimli mm-hmm. says I will go with you on even the paths of the dead and to whatever end they may lead I just I love all the like protestations of of friendship. Like, oh god. I fucking I fucking love like, yeah, I'll follow you to whatever end. Give me more. Yeah. It's great. Although then Legolas says, I also will come, for I do not fear the dead. They okay, mention that okay, several Legolas. times, which feels like a really weird distinction. When they actually get to the paths of the dead, like everyone is flipping out and Legolas is like, Yeah, I'm not afraid of human ghosts, which is like <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Oh, oh, you're a, you're just a dude. Never mind. <laughs> uh. So away they ride, and the gray company, as this party of the three hunters and the the rangers is called, comes and to the two elf boys and the two right and the fucking the fucking elven Winklevoss twins. Um. <laughs> And, oh no, unfor- fuck, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I am torn between now envisioning these, these brothers as either the, the Winklevoss twins or those, um, twins who are, like, wrestlers who got TikTok famous for their duffing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we come to Dunharrow where Eowyn is. The Lady Eowyn greeted them and was glad of their coming, for no mightier men had she seen than the Dunedain and the fair sons of Elrond. She's like, yeah, let me look at these boys. But, but on Aragorn, most of all, her eyes rested. Aragorn is like, no, like, don't worry about making us comfortable. Like, we rode out of our way to come here and we, like, have to leave no. immediately. Well, yeah, they didn't ride out of uh, right. Sorry, their no, way. but but we have to leave immediately. And Eowyn misinterprets that as riding out of the way to come tell her what's happening because Dunharrow is essentially a dead end. The only thing that lies yeah beyond it is the pass of the dead, and it has not even like crossed her mind that that, that is a possibility. Yeah, and Ottergren says, Indeed, no man would count such a journey wasted. And yet, lady, I could not have come hither if it were not that the road which I must take leads me to Dunharrow. She answered as one that likes not what is said, Then, lord, you are astray, for out of Harrowdale no run, no road runs east or south, and you had best return as you came. And then he sa- says that he's gonna ride by the paths of the dead. Then she stared at him as one that is stricken, and her face blanched. And for long she spoke no more while all sat silent and they argue a little. Yeah, they just have this really painful back and forth, which ends with, then they said no more and ate in silence, but her eyes were never upon Aragorn, and the others saw that she was in great torment of mind. 
Yeah. And everyone goes their separate ways to go back to where they're sleeping. Um, the Lady Eowyn came after Aragorn and called to him. He turned and saw her as a glimmer in the night, for she was clad in white, but her eyes were on fire. Aragorn, oh. she said, why will you go on this deadly road? Because I must, he said. Yeah, this is interesting because he says, only so oh, can yeah. I- so can I see any hope of doing my part in the war against Sauron? I do not choose paths of peril, Eowyn. Were I to go where my heart dwells, far in the north I would now be wandering in the fair valley of Rivendell. For a while she was silent, as if pondering what this might mean. Yeah. As in, maybe he's in love with someone else that he wants to be with. Yeah. Yikes. Then suddenly she laid her hand on his arm. Lord, she said, if you must go, then let me ride in your following, for I am weary of skulking in the hills and wish to face peril and battle. Your duty is with your people, he answered. Too often have I heard of duty, she cried, but am I not of the house of of Aor- I struggle with this word every time. I, I know. Will you say it? Aoral. Aoral, okay. Am I not I of the know. house of Aoral, a shield maiden and not a dry nurse? I have waited on faltering feet long enough. Since they falter no longer, it seems, may I not now spend my life as I will? Few may do that with honor, he answered. But as for you, lady, did you not accept the charge to govern the people until their lord's return? If you had not been chosen, then some marshal or captain would have been set in the same place, and he could not ride away from his charge, were he weary of it or no. Shall I always be chosen, she said bitterly. Shall I always be left behind when the riders depart, to mind the house while they win renown, and find food and beds when they return? Ugh! Yeah. It goes on a bit, including the line... From the movie. Um, yeah. She says, I can ride and wield blade, and I do not fear either pain or death. And he says, what do you fear, lady? A cage. To stay behind bars until use and old age accept them and all chance of doing great deeds is gone beyond recall or desire. Mm, yeah. And then he finally says, like, stay. You have no errand to the south. And she says, neither have those others who go with thee. They go only because they would not be parted from thee, because they love thee. Then she turned and vanished into the night. And it's, I mean, it's a great line because it's so obviously you know, she's saying, like, that's why I want to go with you, because I love you. But she says it through those other people. So good. I'm really happy that they keep that dialogue for the movie. But this also works really well for me, because I think everyone has had some, I mean, obviously not about the particulars. But it's, it's one of those really, truly miserable arguments where, like, both people are right. (laughs) yeah and like stuck because of their care and worry for the other yeah in the morning she comes to see them off and she it says in her hand she bore a cup and she set it to her lips and drank a little wishing them good speed and then she gave the cup to Ottagorn, and he drank and he said farewell lady of rohan I drink to the fortunes of your house, and of you, and of all your people. Say to your brother, beyond the shadows we may meet again. Um, which is interesting because, like, they took the the cup-sharing 
and put it in a very different context in the film. Right. Which feels like we talked about, (laughs) we really got into the weeds of like how to interpret that and what that means in the movies. And I do really like that scene because it, frisson between these characters yeah i mean they have great chemistry like it's it's a good scene but it makes so much more sense here as this kind of like formal goodbye between these people who like don't necessarily expect to see each other again yeah so like after i love that there's this kind of there's this transition from this like formal you know like his like drinking of the cup and his kind of like grandiose like farewell like tell your brother like we'll meet again then it seemed to Gimli and Legolas who were nearby that she wept and in one so stern and proud that seemed the more grievous but she said Aragorn wilt thou go I will he said then wilt thou not let me ride with this company I have asked as I have asked I will not lady for that I could not grant without leave of the king and of your brother, Ugh, Ugh, the patriarchy. Ugh. And they will not return until tomorrow. But I count now every hour, indeed, every minute. Farewell. It's really painful. <laughs> it's so painful. She, like, falls to her knees, overcome, and he, he like, grabs her hand and pulls her to her feet and then springs into the saddle and rides away. After kissing her hand, he kisses her hand and sprang into the saddle and rode away and did not look back. And only those who knew him well and were near to him saw the pain that he bore. But Eowyn stood still as a figure carved in stone, her hands clenched at her sides, and she watched them until they passed into the shadows under the black Dwimmerberg, the haunted mountain in which was the door of the dead. When they were lost to view, she turned, stumbling as one that is blind, and went back to her lodging. But none of her folk saw this parting, for they hid themselves in fear and would not come forth until the day was up and the reckless strangers were gone. Obviously hate the, like, your dad and brother aren't here, so, like, I can't. Yeah. Conversation about, like, her responsibility to the people is interesting, because, like, that feels real and true, as is her frustration of, like, yeah, and, like, why am I the one who, like, this falls to? It will literally always fall to me, like, because of who I am. Ugh. Ugh. I think, like, part of it is that, like, Ottergorn recognizes that she can lead, mm-hmm. right? Can, can like, is the leader her people need at home. And also... For Eowyn, that has always meant that, like, she is only the leader as backup. Right. Right. And when the men come back, she is once again sort of displaced. And I think staying home would be a different thing if she had sort of, like, the same authority all the time. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's a weird, like, this talk about, like, responsibility. There's, like active responsibility and passive responsibility and she wants the active responsibility of like choosing to like ride out to do this thing and instead she has the passive responsibility of of like no you can't leave and go do what you want you know yeah anyways the great company is like approaching the haunted mountain yes the the door um, the really quickly, the dead. 
Yeah. Um, they ride under the gloom of black trees that not even Legolas could long endure. Yeah. Trees so bad, even Legolas doesn't like them. Yeah. Gimli says, my blood runs chill. But the others were silent and his voice fell dead on the dank fir needles at his feet. The horses would not pass the threatening stone until the riders dismounted and led them about. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, here's that line. The company halted and there was not a heart among them that did not quail, unless it were the heart of Legolas of the elves, for whom the ghosts of men have no terror. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. <laughs> but aren't Eladon and Elver here here? Like, what, are they terrified or not? I mean, is it all mm. elves that aren't terrified of human ghosts? Or is, or is it just... Like, Legolas is, is it, just like a weird hair splitter like rules lawyer yeah i don't know and then halberad yes halberad said this is an evil door and my death lies beyond it i will dare to pass it nonetheless but no horse will enter and otagorn says but we must go in and therefore the horses must go too then otagorn led the way and such was the strength of his will in that hour that all the dunedain and their horses followed him and indeed, the love that the horses of the rangers bore for their riders was so great that they were willing to face even the terror of the door if their master's hearts were steady as they walked beside them. A lot of the times in this series when the emotional state of horses is referenced, it's about their fear. Mm -hmm. I really like this. Like, no, like there is there is a relationship. There is a trust that goes both ways. They want yeah. to do this thing for the writers that they love. Yeah. Do you want to read the, the next yeah. bit? But Arod, the horse of Rohan, refused the way, and he stood sweating and trembling in a fear that was grievous to see. Then Legolas laid his hands on his eyes and sang some words that went soft in the gloom until he suffered himself to be led, and Legolas passed in. And there stood Gimli the dwarf left all alone. Yeah. His knee uh, shook. What? Gimli. I do want to talk about the horse thing really fast. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We'll finish the horse thing and then I'll, we'll talk about Gimli because there's more. I love that. I also, I feel like that's where they lifted, like, when Aragorn first, like, meets and calms Brago, he sings to him mm. in Elvish. Mm -hmm. It's very sweet. I, I, I like it, too, because book Legolas can be very sweet with Gimli, but in many ways, like, very aloof. Yeah. And so it's nice to have this little, like, you know. Totally. If only he would lay his his hands softly upon Gimli's eyes and sing to him. Yeah. I think it would really help Gimli out. Legolas, like, pay attention to your boyfriend. Like, he's not okay. Help him. Exactly. Like, he realizes that the horse is scared, but, like, doesn't interact with Gimli significantly in this passage. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because he's like, wow, my boyfriend is so brave and good. And like, usually he's way better at capes than me. So like, uh, you know, he just, he, he trusts that Gimli will be fine. But yeah. Uh, so, and there stood Gimli the dwarf left all alone. His knees shook and he was wroth with himself. Here is a thing unheard of, he said. An elf will go underground and a dwarf dare not. With that, he plunged in. But it seemed to him that he dragged his feet like lead over the threshold, and at once a blindness came upon him, even upon Gimli Gloin's son, who had walked unafraid in many deep places of the world. Ugh. 
this next passage was interesting to revisit because parts of it are scary, like mm-hmm. obviously like they feel fear, but like we see quite often, um, Tolkien is so much more subtle uh, with his stuff than Peter Jackson is. And we have not watched this section of the film yet, but I, from what I remember, I think Peter Jackson goes... This section has has a literal skull avalanche. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's lots of like green glowing like Peter Jackson yeah. loves to do. That man does love a green glow. Yeah. In here... They only sort of ever see the dead people. Like, at times, they can, like, very faintly see them. Gimli doesn't. Legolas does. Yeah, right, yes, that's true. But mostly, it's just this feeling of presence behind them. Yeah. They come to a certain point, and Aragorn says, I summon you to the Stone of Erech. There was no answer unless it were an utter silence more dreadful than the whispers before. And then a chill blast came in which the torches flickered and went out and could not be rekindled. Of the time that followed, one hour or many, Gimli remembered little. The others pressed on, but he was ever hindmost, pursued by a groping horror that seemed always just about to seize him, and a rumor came after him like the shadow sound of many feet. He stumbled on until he was crawling like a beast on the ground and felt that he could endure no more. He must either find an ending and escape or run back in madness to meet the following fear. And then suddenly, that's when they they find their way out. And I really love this. As Gimli after learned, it was still two hours ere sunset of the day which they had set out from Dunharrow. Though for all that he could then tell, it might have been twilight in some later year or in some other world. Yeah. An experience so deep and terrifying that it makes the world around you unrecognizable. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, stuff through here about, you know, how the people who live nearby are, like, scared of the area and this and that, but... Well, and the the people they pass refer to Aragorn as the king of the dead, which is very interesting. Yeah, because the people around know that, like, the dead, like, there are, like, undead people that live in the mountain, and so if someone comes out of the mountain on a horse... Well, and leading this trail behind him. Right. Then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Aragorn blows on a horn and he cries in a great voice, Oathbreakers, why have ye come? And the voice says to fulfill our oath and have peace. And Aragorn says, the hour has come at last. We're going to do the thing. And with that, he bade Halbarad unfurl the great standard which he had brought. And behold, it was black. And if there was any device upon it, it was hidden in the darkness. Gosh. Uh, We did skip over a horse thing. Oh. So... They, you know, they, they come outside and they're like, oh no, now we have to get to the stone that Joey had just mentioned. And it's like a, a wild ride to get there because they're trying to get there as soon as possible. And it says, mm-hmm. bells were ringing far below and all the men fled before the face of Aragorn. But the gray company in their haste rode like hunters until their horses were stumbling with weariness. Poor horses. Anyways, um, the last line in this chapter is, but the next day there came no dawn, and the gray company passed on into the darkness of the storm of Mordor, and were lost to mortal sight. But the dead, 
followed them. Mm. So that's, you know, the darkness that we've had happen in other chapters is, you know, this is where that lines up with them. And that's the end of chapter two. We're on to um, the muster of Rohan, which begins from Mary's point of view. Uh, well, and not not Mary's point of oh, view. Oh, yes. We're, with, we're back yes. with Mary and Aemir and the king. Yes. I was confused because I saw Pippin's name at the beginning of the chapter. That also weirdly threw me off. It's it's Tolkien saying, he does this a couple of times where he's saying what's happening concurrently in another story. Yes. So, and even as Pippin stood at the great gate of the city and saw the Prince of Dol Amroth ride in with his banners, the King of Rohan came down out of the hills. I had to read yes. it a couple of times to yeah, figure it's out just that what was going on. That schedule tie-in. Um... I was confused by who the Prince of Dol Amroth was. Do you remember in the the first chapter of Return when Pippin is watching all of Gondor's allies that are not Rohan like ride down from the mountains? There's like the big hairy mountain men and then there's like the beautiful prince with his swan knights. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> that happened. Um, I remember someone showing up who was really like big on like a big stocky horse yeah there's that dude but but there's like that there's like multiple groups of allies who come in there and one of them is the prince of dol amroth weird i just it's just weird that i that did not stick in my head like at all i think because you know he's like introduced alongside other allies of whom we have no frame of reference for because Unless you remember them from the books because he's, like, not in the movies. So it's like, ah, here's a side character. Here's the introduction. Mm -hmm. Here's the brief introduction of a side character along with other side characters. The last time we read, like, two and a half months ago. Yeah. It's, like, the end of the chapter. Okay, yes. And last and proudest, Amrahil, Prince of Dol Amroth, kinsman of the Lord, with gilded banners bearing his token of the ship and the silver swan, and a company of knights in full harness riding gray horses. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because the prince is mentioned a few times through this chapter, so I just, like, wanted to understand. I actually, I also just looked up Dol Amroth in my book, and it is a port city of Gondor, and it says, Until about Third Age 1981, the white ships of the elves of Lorien sailed from Dol Amroth. Oh, interesting. Rather than from the Grey Havens, I guess. Um, or maybe in addition to, and the Dunedain of that city were said to have to have elven blood in their veins. So Dol Amroth must be must must be must be south then, not north. If it's a port city, unless it's a river port and not an ocean port. Uh, yeah. But I don't no. want to fall uh, to be. I don't want to fall no. down the geography uh, hole yeah. again. Okay. So yeah. this is now, like we said, Theoden's party heading to they have the the muster coming up so they're kind of like slowly working their way back and they're riding through the mountains um there's a lot of geography talk and natural descriptions which are beautiful but i don't want to spend a lot of time on except now that i've said that here's the one thing i do want to which is that they're in this Uh beautiful like valley with the mountains up around them and mary is who is already like kind of stewing in his feelings of like not having Pippin and now not even having the rest of his party. Um, And he's looking around at the mountains and it says he loved the mountains or he had loved the thought of them marching on the edge of stories brought from far away. 
but now he was borne down by the insupportable weight of Middle Earth. He longed to shut out the immensity in a quiet room by a fire. Buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dol Amroth is, it's southwest. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it would have to be um, farther west. Because the shore kind of goes Well, because, like, yeah. South Gondor is, um, like, a desert now? Like, toward the east? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, you have to go pretty far down to get to water. For a lot of this journey, he's riding side by side with Theoden. Sometimes when the way was broader, he had ridden at the king's side, not noticing that many of the riders smiled to see the two together. The hobbit on his little shaggy gray pony, and the lord of Rohan on his great white horse. Mm-hmm. He does have that to to break up this long, lonely journey, yeah. but he spends a lot of time, you know, riding behind the king. Um, and then Tolkien the linguist comes in trying to understand the slow, sonorous speech of Rohan that he heard the men behind him using. It was a language in which there seemed to be many words that he knew, though spoken more richly and strongly in the Shire than in the Shire, yet he could not piece the words together. And then they eventually reach um, Dunhera, which is where Eowyn is currently, which is, I don't, it gets a little, like, I guess the Dunharrow thing is convenient for Aragorn and Eowyn to have a final scene before they go back, but I don't know why Eowyn didn't just stay in Meduseld in Edoras, because... This was after... I think they're still at Dunharrow, because they're telling him... They're telling her about Helm's Deep, too, because everyone had fled Edoras and gone to Dunharrow. Yeah, but I didn't think that happened in the book. Like, when they left for Helm's Deep, they left Eowyn in Meduseld. Yeah, I thought they were still leaving. Theoden, at this at some point in here, refers to the evacuation of Edoras. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's what happened, and she led the evacuation to Dunharrow while the rest of them went to Helmsteep. Right, and is still at Dunharrow because these people are bringing back the news of Helmsteep, which was, like, not long ago. It just feels needlessly complicated and I want this section to be more streamlined where we've talked a lot about how like I think the books get a bad rap for being like confusing or like overly focused on geography but I do feel it here a little bit yeah like generally it has not been an issue and there's I mean there's still so much good stuff in here but yeah it gets a little bogged down by like, okay, now we're here, and then we're here, and then we're going here, and Aeon is going to go that far, and then not farther, yeah. and they're going there. You know, it's just, it's just a lot. But anyways, they get there, and it says, As they drew near, Mary saw that the rider was a woman with long braided hair gleaming in the twilight. Yet she wore a helm, and was clad to the waist like a warrior, and girded with a sword. Hail, Lord of the Mark, she cried. My heart is glad at your returning. Um, and Theoden you know, says, and you, is all well with you? All is well, she answered, yet it seemed to Mary that her voice belied her, and he would have thought that she had been weeping, if Ugh. that could be believed of one so stern of face. Um, and they talk briefly about Aragorn, and Eowyn says, yes, he has passed into the shadows, he is gone. Eomer said, then our paths are sundered, he is lost. We must ride without him, and our hope dwindles. Wait, hold on. Where are you? Mm, on page 69. <laughs> I want to I wanna jump 
back and then we can work our way forward again and we we can move quickly um yeah so we talked about like mary like writing by himself yeah and it says all the same he had never been so lonely and never more so than now at the day's end he wondered where in all the strange world pippin had got to and what had become mm-hmm. of aragorn and mm-hmm. legolas and gimli then suddenly like a cold touch on his heart he thought of frodo and sam i'm forgetting them he said to himself reproachfully which just like, ugh, yeah. guy, it's it's so like there's so much going on that it's like you can't even contain all of it, which is you know. Yeah, and then he says, and yet they are more important than all the rest of us. And I came to help them, but now they must be hundreds of miles away if they are still alive. He shivered. Ah. Uh-huh. <sighs> and then Aemir and Thaden have a conversation, and I want to touch on it just briefly because we talked about it. Aemir is. Pretty much to say it and like, hey, like, you can sit this one out. Like, go sit in Edoras and, like, we'll lead the armies and you'll, you can, like, lead our people after this. And mm-hmm. Theoden is like, no, I'm not going to do that. If the war is lost, what good will be my hiding in the hills? And if it is won, what grief will it be, even, if I fall, spending my last, last strength? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go to the hold of Dunharrow for specific course references um, on the level spaces, there was a great concourse of men, blah, blah, blah. There were, behind them, there were ordered rows of tents and booths and lines of picketed horses. Oh, yeah. Mary wonders about how many riders there are. Yeah, just, um, a little bit before that, there's one reference of Shadowfax just to say, you know, Shadowfax came like a wind out of the west to Adaras and Gandalf brought tidings of your victory to gladden our oh, hearts. yes. That's all. Thank you. Which is great because it continues that, like bird and wind imagery yeah. that Shadowfax always gets. Mm-hmm. I flagged this because this felt like this is us as Mary. Mary wondered how many riders there were. <laughs> he could not guess their number in the gathering gloom, but it looked to him like a great army, many thousands strong. Yeah. Which is that that's us making Shadowfax. Yeah, and then they they start going like up a a hill. Well, up the side of a looming cliff, but the path begins to climb. Mary looked up in amazement. He was on a road, the like of which he had never seen before, a great work of men's hands and years beyond the reach of song. Upwards it wound, coiling like a snake, boring its way across the sheer slope of rock. Steep as a stair, it looped backwards and forwards as it climbed. Up it, horses could walk, and wains could be slowly hauled, but no enemy could come that way, except out of the air, if it was defended from above." imagining horses on those hairpin turns it's really good and also stressful and then we get to um sorry to like drag us back i got no it's okay because like there's so much travel through new places i feel like if you like miss one link in the chain of like where everyone's going i'm like i don't know where the fuck we are i don't know what's happening yeah gosh and so like you said they like ask about aragorn and you can just like feel the like it's so easy to imagine the like cold blanket being laid over that conversation you know yeah and then mary is like sitting by his little tent that's been pitched for him while like men go back and forth like talking to the king and stuff and night falls and he says the paths of the dead the paths of the dead what does all this mean they have all left me now they have all gone to some doom 
Gandalf and Pippin to war in the east, and Sam and Frodo to Mordor, and Strider and Legolas and Gimli to the paths of the dead. But my turn will come soon enough, I suppose. Hmm. I wonder what they are all talking about, and what the king means to do, for I must go where he goes now. Yeah. And then he gets summoned to eat dinner. It's great. It's such a, like, you know, he's, like, kind of in these grim thoughts, and then it's such a, like, wonderful little hobbit interjection. In the midst of these gloomy thoughts, he suddenly remembered that he was very hungry and got up to see if anyone else yeah. in this strange camp felt the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he goes to eat with Theoden and Eomer and Eowyn and Dunhair, Lord of Harrowdale. At dinner, he asks about the paths of the dead, and they do explain a little bit. Right, but it's another, um, it's another like, cold blanket. Like, everyone is very obviously, like, trying to, like, distract themselves <laughs> And Mary is just like, hey, yeah. can someone tell me what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. But Theoden, so like, they're all, they're all worried and stuff. But then Theoden does say, it is said that when the Aerlingas came out of the north and passed at length up the snowborn, seeking strong places of refuge in time of need, as in like when the Rohirrim first came this way to settle, mm-hmm. Brago, who, as you remember, was the man who built Meduselt, and his son Baldur climbed the stair of the hold, and so came before the door, the door of the dead. On the threshold sat an old man, aged beyond guess of years. Tall and kingly he had been, but now he was withered as an old stone. Indeed, for stone they took him, for he moved not, and he said no word until they sought to pass him by and enter. And then a voice came out of him, as if it were out of the ground, and to their amaze it spoke in the western tongue, the way is shut. Then they halted and looked at him and saw that he lived still, but he did not look at them. The way is shut, his voice said again. It was made by those who are dead, and the dead keep it until the time comes. The way is shut. And when will that time be? said Baldur, but no answer did he ever get, for the old man died in that hour and fell upon his face and no other tidings of the ancient dwellers in the mountains of our folk ever learned. Yet maybe at last the time foretold has come, and Ottagorn may pass. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this glimmer of hope that maybe, you know... Yeah, the books put the, the prophecy of this moment much more, like, front and center. It's just, it's interesting that, like, Ottagorn knows a prophecy, right? And the Rohirrim don't know that prophecy, but they have their own lore about this, right? Yeah. From Brago, who witnessed some part of it. And yeah, and so it's kind of interesting to like see those little bits come together. Yeah, I also, I I think the like intersection of Aragorn and prophecy is interesting because like, you know, in the first couple of books, his arc is about him like, turning his back on this, like, responsibility that he doesn't think he's ready for yet, which is interesting, Mm. but through the, like, when you compare that to, like, prophecy, that puts it in, like, an interesting and different light. Like, it makes him more of, like, a Greek hero who is, like, attempting in some ways to, like, shuck prophecy. Like, no thank you. Yeah, but I don't actually, so that is how... That is how the films. Yes, we we've talked we've talked about this. Aragorn, but that's not what he is doing in the first couple books. Like I don't think he ever displays like an actual like trying not to be who he is 
or turning his it's back just on not it. yet it is all about right he has been waiting for the right time yeah. and then you know he starts encountering signs that the time is now right. and so things are set in motion mm-hmm. um and he i mean i feel like he has a line at some point that's like things have been set in motion that you know, have long been prepared for or so. you know, like he's always saying shit like that. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah. It makes sense that he and Frodo get along, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I'll ever see this fence again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe not a fully formed thought. I just think it's, I just think it's interesting because it feels like more emphasis here than we've previously seen on it being not just like, oh, I'm the king who was forgotten, but like there are events that are prophesied. Pro- prophecy. Yeah. Pro- oh my God. Prophesied. Prophesied, yeah. yeah. There are events yeah. that are prophesied and that is a very different thing than like a lost birthright, you know? Totally, yeah. I also, really quickly, I think it's yeah. interesting. Both Eomer and Eowyn in this conversation refer to Aragorn as like having taken on a fae aspect. Yeah. They both call him Faye. Uh, Eomer, I think a little more like, <laughs> call, calls him in a Faye mood. And Eowyn is talking yeah. about how he seems Faye now in a way that he didn't pre- when she previously saw him. Yeah. Um, a messenger arrives from Gondor and presents Theoden with uh, a red arrow, like a, like an arrow. Yeah, the beacons are not red. lit in the book. The beacons no, are not lit. I, they ride past like, the unlit look, beacons and they're like, that's like a thing about like how everyone is feeling is that we're riding past all these unlit beacons. I have a lot of problems with Peter Jackson, but that was this a good a call. She made that I am happy with. Yeah. I think partly it is that Tolkien puts a lot more focus on like the darkness that has fallen and this like pervasive like dread that is like building and building and building. Mm -hmm, And the mm -hmm. point of the beacons not being lit as they ride past them is that like, there's not even like those fires lighting the darkness. Like everything is sort of like cold and dark and desolate. And And, and more, and more unknown. Like, right. People don't know if, if Gondor has asked for aid or if Rohan is going to come. Like, yeah, they know that Gondor has asked for aid because, I mean, Theoden knows because Theoden got the red arrow and then it's like, hey, right, we're going. But like, but like the regular people, like it is opaque yeah. to, it is opaque yeah. to so many, you know, there's not that obvious answer of like, help has at least been asked for, you know? Yeah, totally. Anyways, there is a line here. It's just about, Caragon is like, we ask yeah. for aid, and we want you to come into the city. And Theoden is like, he, Denethor, knows that we are a people who fight rather upon horseback and in the open, and also that yeah. we are a scattered people, and time is needed for the gathering of our riders. Yeah. Um, they have they have this whole, like, kind of cagey back and forth, where this messenger for Denethor is like, these are the ways in which we ask for aid. And they really have neither of them are willing to like say certain things yeah um but kind of a bit more like wrapped up in the politics yeah but then and they did eventually sorry go no ahead. you can say that i just want to talk about mary afterward oh yeah yeah love to talk about mary uh say it in eventually says like and the the messenger is trying to make all these points about how like you know if Minas Tirith falls like y'all are fucked 
And they eventually, like, we would write to aid, like, even if our own borders were not threatened. Like, we will come help. Yeah. But says, it's time for rest now and we'll talk more in the morning. Um, and Mary says, I will be ready, even if you bid me ride with you on the paths of the dead. Speak not words of omen, said the king, for there may be more roads than one that could bear that name. But I did not say that I would bid you ride with me on any road. Good night. And then Mary is like alone in his tent and just says, I won't be left behind to be called for on return. I won't be left. I won't. And repeating this over and over again to himself, he fell asleep at last. Yeah. I like that exchange. One, you know, because foreshadowing, like, Theoden is going to try to leave Mary behind. And just, again, this, like, this emphasis that we haven't seen before on, like, that omen That he's and writing to his death. Yeah, yeah, speak not words yeah. of omen. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mary gets woken up by a writer who calls him Master Hulbitla. And Mary has been summoned. And this is when Mary and this part of the story realizes that, again, there is, there is no son the king turned to Mary. I'm going to war, Master Mary Adok, he said. In little while I shall take the road. I release you from my service, but not from my friendship. You shall abide here, and if you will, you shall serve the Lady Eowyn, who will govern the folk in my stead. And Mary protests and says, And as all my friends have gone to the battle, I should be ashamed to stay behind. And Theoden says, But we ride on horses tall and swift, and great though your heart be, you cannot ride on such beasts. Then tie me on to the back of one or let me hang on a stirrup or something, said Mary. It is a long way to run, but run I shall if I cannot ride, even if I wear my feet off and arrive weeks too late. Mm. And Theoden says, rather than that, I would bear you with me on Snowmane, he said. He smiles. But at the least you shall ride with me to Edoras and look on Meduseld, for that way I shall go. So far Stibba can bear you. The great race will not begin until we reach the plains. I, and I love, there, like, there is some real relationship between Mary and Theoden. Like, it's so warm. Absolutely. And then Eowyn, you know, says, okay, come on. This request only did Aragorn make to me, said Eowyn, that you should be armed for battle. And so she's had some gear prepared for him. Yeah. Which is really cute. Not mail that fits him, but like a stout jerkin of leather and a belt and a knife mm-hmm. um, and a helm and a round shield. Um, and she says, yeah. take all these things and bear them to good fortune. For well for now, Mr. Mary Doc. Yet maybe we shall meet again, you and I. Foreshadowing. Eyeballs emoji, like, please tag on Twitter. <laughs> um, spectraling yeah. the original Mary Eowyn shipper on Twitter.com. Thank you for your good work. <laughs> Yeah. And then the king and his riders ride out. It's a bummer. Yeah, there's a line that says the king sat upon his white horse glimmering in the half light. There's horse numbers, which, you know, we'd love to hear. Oh, yeah. There were on the wide flats beside the noisy river. There, sorry, that's not interesting. Uh, Well nigh five and fifty hundreds of riders fully armed, and many hundreds of other men with spare horses lightly burdened. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, at the beginning of the last chapter, it said, like, Hasufel was saddled, and then it said that the rangers brought Roharan, so presumably Hasufel, at that point, you know, went... Is returned. Yeah. Is now one of these spare horses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
as or you mentioned on Twitter, yeah. he he was very explicitly like alone to the hunters yeah. and was expected to be returned to Rohan. Yeah. I mean, Legolas still has Arod um, because, you know, he doesn't have another horse to ride yet. So right. that's still alone. But that's, yeah. yeah. I do want to talk about, so, you know, the, the king raised his hand and silently the host of the mark began to move. So they're, they're riding out. It's a pretty grim scene. The king followed with Aomer on his right. He had said farewell to Eowyn above in the hold, and the memory was grievous. But now he turned his mind to the road that lay, beh- that lay ahead. <laughs> any, any scraps of, like, people having relationships with Eowyn, even if it's sad, please? Yeah, yeah. Uh, behind him, Mary rode on Stibbo with the errand riders of Gondor, um, blah, blah, blah. And they're like passing down the long ranks of waiting men. But when they had come almost to the end of the line, one looked up, glancing keenly at the hobbit. A young man, Mary thought as he returned to the glance, less in height and girth than most. He caught the glint of clear gray eyes, and then he shivered, for it came suddenly to him that it was the face of one without hope who goes in search of death. That is, of course, Eowyn in disguise. Yeah, which we'll see in just a second. There's a There's song. A song. This is interesting because this is not a song. This is not a diegetic song. This is not a song that people are singing or hearing in the moment. This is like a metatextual note of like what the song will be written about about these events. Oh yes, because it specifically says. And so without horn or harp or music of men's voices, the great ride into the east began, which the songs of Rohan were busy for many long lives of men thereafter. And then is the song. Yeah. So it's a song about this moment that's happening that was written later. Right, right, right. Which is interesting because most of the music is diegetic. It's characters actually singing the music. Yeah. This is, you know, kind of like the conversation Frodo and Sam have where they're like, stories might be told of us. This yeah. is that, but we're actually hearing the song that is written yeah. about them. Yeah. Um, they come to Edoras. Mary begged for the last time not to be parted from him. Wait, before that. Oh. There he halted only a short while and strengthened his host by th- some three score of riders that came late to the weapon take. Please, we got to oh, yeah. get those horse numbers more, okay, in. Okay, more horses. Also, there's, you know, of course, in the song, the last... Three lines are doom drove them on, darkness took them, horse and horsemen, hoofbeats afar sank into silence, so the songs tell us. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now Mary. Mary begged. Okay, Mary begged for the last time not to be parted from him. This is no journey for such steeds as Stibba, as I have told you, said Theoden, and in such a battle as we think to make on the fields of Gondor, what would you do, Master Mariadoc? Sword faint, the sword thane though you be, and greater of heart than of stature. And Mary argues with him, and... This line, ugh. But why, Lord, did you receive me as sword thane if not to stay by your side? Yeah, and Theoden said, I received you for your safe keeping, and also to do as I might bid. Yeah. Which is rough. Mary bowed and went away unhappily and stared at the lines of horsemen. Already the companies were preparing to start. Men were tightening girths, looking to saddles, caressing their horses. Aw. Some yeah. gazed uneasily at the lowering sky. Unnoticed, a rider came up and spoke softly in the hobbit's ear. Where will wants not, a way opens, so we say, he whispered, and so I have found myself. Mary looked up and saw that it was the young rider whom he had noticed in the morning. 
You wish to go whither the Lord of the Mark goes. I see it in your face. I do, said Mary. Then you shall go with me, said the rider. I will bear you before me, under my cloak, until we are far afield, and this darkness is yet darker. Such good will should not be denied. Say no more to any man, but come. Thank you indeed, said Mary. Thank you, sir, though I do not know your name. Do you not? said the rider softly. Then call me Dernhelm. Oh, it's so fucking good! It's so good. At Dernhelm, as I will remind you, literally means like shadow, shadow helmet, helmet or something. Yeah. And then the, the chapter ends as we talked about. And so King Theoden departed from his own realm. And mile by mile the long road wound away. And the Beacon Hills marched past. The long list of Beacon Hills. But their fires were quenched. All the lands were gray and still, and ever the shadow deepened before them, and hope waned in every heart. Fuck. I was hoping that this last chapter would be shorter, but it's... It's long. It's the longest. And the... I mean, we have Faramir to talk about, which is like... Yeah. Yeah, but less horse dens. Uh, and we're back with... Pippin, actually. Yeah, instead this of the, the fake out. I genuinely, I had to read the first couple of graphs of that last chapter several times. I was so confused when it went from Pippin to Theoden. Yeah. Anyways, Gandalf wakes Pippin up, uh, gives him breakfast. Pippin looked ruefully at the small loft. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I was reading he thought at the same time, and it yeah. came out loud. <laughs> Looked ruefully at the small loaf and, he thought, very inadequate pat of butter which was set out for him beside a cup of thin milk. I need you to know how much emotional distress was done to me (laughs) by a cup of thin milk. Is that milk which has been watered down? Is that the implication? Yeah, or (laughs) or it's like skim milk. No, I think it's probably milk which has been watered so as to stretch it. It's... That's possible. I mean, the thing is, like, I can imagine, you know, you have some milk and then you take the cream for, I mean, cream or some specific kind of cheese or whatever, and you're left with thin milk. Yeah. And give it to soldiers to drink. Like, in- instead instead of milk the first time around, it's the milk that's left after, after like, making butter or something. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, it did distress me, nonetheless. Yeah, I figured it would. Okay, uh, they go to Denethor. There Denethor sat in a gray gloom, like an old patient spider, Pippin thought. He did not seem to have moved since the day before. I'm so fucking mad about Denethor. I want to hear about that in just a second. I just want to say, I know there's a lot in this chapter and I do want to talk about the things we want to talk about, but I also want to like not get bogged down in every- Yeah, I I have far fewer notes in this than I do in the previous chapters. Tell me about your Denethor feelings. Uh, We'll get to it, but Gandalf has the line that he also has in the movie when Faramir rides back out to his doom as sent by Denethor and is like- Oh, your like father, your father loves, loves you. you he realize. will remember it before the end. Mm-hmm. Which we can talk about it when we get up to it. I yeah. just Denethor is a lot. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of just like Denethor talking to Gandalf and other people about like war strategy and all of this stuff while Pippin just hangs around. 
eventually... And is hungry, which is difficult for him. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in the movies, the hunger of the hobbits is only ever used as... As a joke. A joke. And Mm -hmm. while sometimes it's funny in the books, it's not always, and I really appreciate that, that it is just... Like, it is just an important part of existence. And even though sometimes the yeah. people around the hobbits give them grief for always wanting food, I don't feel like Tolkien does. I don't feel like they're presented in a way that, like, the reader is supposed to judge them for being hungry. I feel like the reader is supposed to empathize with them, and I really like that. Yeah. Pippin is given some livery, which here is just livery which was made for him i don't know where they got the idea to have it be faramir's old livery in the movie but that was an absolute fucking brain genius yeah, decision it was very good i do want to say like it says here that the mail like the chain Is mail black. yeah it's rings forged of steel maybe yet black as jet which maybe they didn't do that because it just looked too modern or something but like i feel like there's like a cool design opportunity that they missed out on in the film a lot of the like orcs and orakai have really dark mm. mail and all the humans like have shining silver um, lighter yeah. colored mail yeah um he also gets like a helm with a circlet which i would love to see pippin in yeah he looked now had he known it verily ernel eve Therianath. There we go. Uh, The Prince of... Therianath. Therianath? Yeah, probably. The Prince of the Halflings that Folk had called him. This was like in the previous chapter about him when he's like walking through the city and saying hi to people. People started calling him the Prince of the Halflings. And now it's saying he looked like that prince, but he felt uncomfortable and the gloom began to weigh on his spirits. And he meets up with Baragond again. Yeah, the next time he's released to eat. I And I do want to talk about it really fast. So they're, they're yeah. sitting at the same place where they had the picnic the day before. Yeah. Already it seemed years to Pippin since he had sat there before in some half-forgotten time when he had still been a hobbit, a light-hearted wanderer touched little by the perils he had passed through. Now he was one small soldier in a city preparing for a great assault clad in the proud but somber manner of the Tower of Guard. Yeah. When he had still been a hobbit, when he had still been who and what he was before this. Like, yeah. I feel like Tolkien, a thing, and I'm sure this comes from his experience of war, but like a thing he conveys so poignantly and effectively is how events change you. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's also a, you know, there's, this is communicating both the change in Pippin, but also the sort of like flattening of identity that he goes from being, he becomes one small soldier in a city. Yeah. um, Yeah, which actually the hunger thing plays into as well. Like, instead of being like a hobbit who needs to eat more frequently, he is a guard who is expected to like stand for his shift. Without yeah, you know? Yeah. And there are some lines near the end of this chapter where it says something about him sort of becoming a hobbit again, which, like, we'll get we'll get there when we get there. But, yeah. Um, as they're hanging out, um, and Baragond, like, wishes for Faramir to return 
Baragond um, has the biggest fucking crush on Faramir. So big. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they're like stricken because a there's a Nazgul. And this is interesting. I don't remember if we've talked about this distinction before, but they hear a sound. Mm-hmm. And it says Pippin knew the shuddering cry that he had heard. It was the same that he had heard long ago in the in the Marish. Marish? The Marish? Yeah. I don't know what the Marish is, but the Marish of, of the Shire. Right. But now it was grown in power and hatred, piercing the heart with a poisonous despair. The point being that it is not the fell beast making that sound. It's the Nazgul, sound. yeah. It is the Nazgul, the person. Right. Um, Which... I think is upsetting and upsetting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also Pippin, because Pippin has not seen one of these fell beasts yet, calls it a black rider of the air, which is interesting. The Marish is a fertile boggy area in the East Farthing between Stock and Rashi, home of the old bucks before the founding of Buckland. It's, oh, it's by the ferry. It's like where they were being chased by the ferry. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. This is like sad and sweet. Like Pippin kind of, in his extreme fear that the this Nazgul causes is like they're they're looking for something. Do you see something moving around on the ground? Dark little things. Yes, men on horses. I cannot stand it. Gandalf, Gandalf, save us. Yeah. Calling out for his friend. Yeah, it says there are four or five men on horses below. So, you know, in the movie we have like seventy five. Uh right, because there are sort of two things that happen at at Osgiliath, one of which we've already seen in the movie, and one is which is yet to come. But Faramir and all the people at Osgiliath are coming back. And in this, we later find out that, like, Faramir left a bunch of his people stationed at Osgiliath, mm-hmm. right? And But he and a few came to, you know, bring news to Denethor and strategize. And so it is just those, like, four or five that are being harassed Mm -hmm. now i mean more than harassed attacked mortally i mean with the goal of of mortality (laughs) the goal of mortality um yeah so baragond realizes that it's faramir and calls faramir braveheart which again sir your yeah massive crush is showing but how can he win to the gate if these foul hell hawks have other weapons than fear but look they hold on they will make the gate no, the horses are running mad. Look, the men are thrown. They are running on foot. No, one is still up, but he rides back to the others. That will be the captain. He can master both beasts and men like he mastered me. That, they say that <laughs> specific line several times, which is like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Baragond goes on. Ah, there, one of the foul things is stooping on him. Help, help. Will no one go out to him? Faramir. With that, Baragon sprang away and ran off into the gloom, ashamed of his terror, while Baragon of the guard thought first of the captain whom he loved. Pippin got up and peered out. At that moment, he caught a flash of white and silver coming from the north, like a small star down on the dusky fields. It moved with the speed of an arrow and grew as it came, converging swiftly with the flight of the four men towards the gate. It seemed to Pippin that a pale light was spread about it, and the heavy shadows gave way before it, and then as it drew near he thought that he heard, like an echo in the walls, a great voice calling. And then, I I love this. Get off! Get Get off! off! 
He cried, Gandalf! He always turns up when things are darkest. Go on, go on, White Rider! Gandalf, Gandalf! He shouted wildly, like an onlooker at a great race, urging on a runner who is far beyond encouragement. Pippin does so much like soccer hooligan yelling this chapter. It's great. Also, again, please note shadow facts like an arrow racing. I love how consistent the like metaphor to describe shadow. Yeah. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. simile to describe shadow facts is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pippin watched and he saw the horsemen and the white rider meet and halt, waiting for those on foot. And everyone gets inside. And he goes down to the entrance of the citadel. Yeah, it says, uh, do you want to read, like, presently Pippin saw yeah. torches? and followed by oppressive people, two horsemen riding slowly. One was in white, but shining no longer, pale in the twilight as if his fire were spent or veiled. The other was dark, and his head was bowed. They dismounted, and as grooms took Shadowfax and the other horse, they walked forward to the sentinel at the gate. Gandalf steadily, his grey cloak flung back, and a fire still smouldering in his eyes, and the other, clad all in green, slowly, swaying a little, as a weary or a wounded man. Hmm. People are cheering for Faramir. Pippin also joins in and... Yeah, I I actually, I do want to read part of his description of Faramir. Yeah. Which is right before that, which says, Yet suddenly for Faramir his heart was strangely moved with a feeling that he had not known before. Here was one with an air of high nobility, such as Aragorn at times revealed, less high perhaps, yet also less incalculable and remote, one of the kings of men born into a later time, but touched with the wisdom and sadness of the elder race. He knew now why Baragon spoke his name with love. He was a captain that men would follow, that he would follow, even under the shadow of the black wings. It's good. Yeah, he calls along with the others, fair enough. I just wish, I just wish these, like, qualities, I I wish that they weren't tied to bloodlines in this world. Like, I think it could be just as moving if it was like, Faramir had these qualities that made him stand out and... And there is a kinship with him and Aragorn because of the qualities that they share and not because they share a bloodline, like, going back a thousand years. Definitely. And then he does his, you know, Faramir, Faramir, Faramir! (laughs) And just like that. And Faramir actually hears his voice in the crowd because of um, because it's different voice. And he's like, a halfling? Whence came you? And then Gandalf steps out. Yeah. And Gandalf and Faramir and Pippin go on to a... Really unpleasant conversation with Denethor. Yep. <laughs> Poor Faramir, just like drinking drinking some wine, eating some plain bread. I mean, I would love some fresh bread and a glass of wine. Yeah. That sounds nice. But, you know, I mean, probably I would also want some like meat and vegetables. Some Tylenol. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Maybe tea instead of wine immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then... This is all, this conversation is all kind of had in the open. I mean, in the movie, we see Faramir tell Gandalf, you know, I saw Frodo and Sam. But not in front of Denethor. Right, but then when... requires him to to confess mm, his crime. When Denethor and Faramir are next talking, Denethor knows. Yes, I know. It's like it picks up in the middle of the conversation. And the implication is that he told... Is that he told Denethor. It's just... Yeah. The framing of that feels very different for that first conversation. Like, because 
because it's very easy to imagine like Faramir and Gandalf having more of that conversation and like deciding what to do instead of it being had in front of Denethor. Which, I mean, there are kind of some lines about that we'll get to in just a second. He says, you know, as the dark drew on, I knew that haste was needed. So I rode thence with three others that could also be horsed. Oh, because yeah. he said, yesterday, I like I spent the night at Carandros, the long isle in the river northward, which we hold in defense and horses are kept on the hither bank. And then so I took some of those horses and came the rest of my company I sent to strengthen Osgiliath. And then he says, I hope that I have not done ill. He looked at his father. Ill, cried Denethor, and his eyes flashed suddenly. Why do you ask? The men were under your command. Or do you ask for my judgment on all your deeds? Your bearing is lowly in my presence. Yet it is long now since you turned from your own way at my counsel. See, you have spoken skillfully, as ever. But I... Have I not seen your eye fixed on Mithrandir, seeking whether you said well or too much? He has long had your heart in his keeping. My son, your father is old, but not yet dotard. I can see and hear, as was my wont. He doesn't just mean regular seeing and hearing. He means his, he like, can see and hear side. a little, right, a little more than most people. There's a little bit of context, too, that we missed, which is that when Faramir is saying, like, I, this, these are not the first halflings I met. At that, Gandalf sat up and gripped the arms of his chair, but he said nothing, and with a look stopped the exclamation on Pippin's lips. Denethor looked at their faces and nodded his head, as though in sign that he had read much there mm. that before it was spoken. Yeah, and Denethor says, And little of what you have half said or left unsaid is now hidden from me. I know the answer to many riddles. Alas, alas for Boromir. And Faramir says, if what I have done displeases you, my father, I wish I had known your counsel before the burden of so weighty a judgment was thrust on me. And they, uh, they have a back and forth. It's bad. They have the line that, you know, Faramir says, do you wish then that our places had been exchanged? And Denethor said, yes, I wish that indeed. For Boromir was loyal to me and no wizard's pupil. He would have remembered his father's need and would not have squandered what fortune gave. He would have brought me a mighty gift. And then Faramir says, just so you remember, <laughs> you're the one who sent him to Rivendell. Yeah. That was on you. <laughs> and then Gan this is when Gandalf is like, and also like, in no case would Boromir have brought it to you. He is dead and died well. May he sleep in peace. Yet you deceive yourself. He would have stretched out his hand to this thing. And taking it, he would have fallen. He would have kept it for his own. Right, but they give that, right, they give those lines to Faramir yeah. in the movie. Is Gandalf there during that conversation in the movie? I don't think so. I don't think he is if either. If he is, he's really like lurking in the background. Be because that's when Pippin is taking his oath and he's supposed to feel kind of alone and helpless. Yeah. And they have the conversation about, like, Denethor says, like, I would have kept the ring in a vault and, you know, only used it at the last. And Gandalf keeps saying, like, there's no way that would have happened. And they have another kind of, like, eye battle. I love them, like, trading quips. Like, Denethor says, if you do not trust me to endure the test, you do not know me yet. And Gandalf says, nonetheless, I do not trust you. Like, bitch, I don't need yeah. to know more. I don't like what I see. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, they drop it and... Denethor talks to Faramir about Osgiliath and and says they will have need of some stout captain there. The rest of that conversation comes back later. 
because Faramir almost falls over because he's so tired. And Pippin and Gandalf go back to the room, and this is sweet. They did not speak until they were behind closed doors. Then at last, Pippin took Gandalf's hand. Tell me, he said, is there any hope? For Frodo, I mean. Or at least mostly for Frodo. Gandalf put his hand on Pippin's head. There never was much hope, he answered. Just a fool's hope, as I have been told. Um, and then kind of mumbles to himself about Kirith Ungol. Uh, hold on. In my book, there's the longest dash I have ever seen in my life after Kirith Yeah. Ungol. And when I heard of Kirith Ungol... It is, it is like four <laughs> im-dashes back to back. It is obscene. <laughs> this is where it kind of... Gandalf is trying to work out, like, what prompted Sauron's recent action... And then he says, ah, I wonder, Ottergorn? His time draws near, and he is strong and stern underneath Pippin, bold, determined, able to take his own counsel and dare great risks at need. That may be it. He may have used the stone and shown himself to the enemy, challenging him for this very purpose. I wonder. Well, we shall not know the answer till the riders of Rohan come, if they do not come too late. To sleep while we may. But, <laughs> said Pippin. And Gandalf says, but what? Only one but will I allow tonight. <laughs> and Pippin asks about Gollum and Gandalf kind of says the like, yeah, I mean, Gollum is bad, but like Gollum might betray himself and do good that he does not intend. The next morning, it's dark. It's a real bummer. This is like where the dread is really beginning to like fall on the city. We see some of the public sentiment about Faramir and Denethor. Now Faramir was gone again. They give him no rest, some murmured. The Lord drives his son too hard, and now he must do the duty of two, for himself and for the one that will not return. Yeah. I actually, I forgot to say something earlier about kind of public sentiment, because we get lines here and there throughout all of these chapters. There's that one line after, like, Ottergorn and Eowyn part, where it was like, the people of Dunharrow, like, wouldn't come outside until the reckless strangers had left. Oh, yeah. And then, like, there's another line there that I didn't read, but that is, like, um... Oh, and some said, they are elvish whites. Let them go where they belong, into the dark places, and never return. The times are evil enough. Yeah. Like, we talked about with Shire stuff at the very beginning, where, you know, there's this distrust of outsiders, and, you know, throughout this story we get these people who are like well that doesn't concern us but some people do think so and it gives us this very like fleshed out picture of the kinds of like i don't know like disagreements common folk are having with each other yeah i actually like because like lord of the rings is is a story that like in a lot of ways deals in absolutes but i really like that there's room yeah. for nuance here it's like oh yeah there goes like the faded prophesied king with his army of the dead and some people are just like who the fuck is that guy like no thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this contrast between the people who are very much you know turning their backs on like well that's you know surely it wouldn't come to that like surely nothing that bad would happen to us and the people who are like this is desperate, so I'm going to disobey direct orders to make something happen, you know? Yeah, which we see... Previously and coming up. And coming up. Also, speaking about 
public sentiment because we know we know that Boromir is loved by his people. But I love mm-hmm. I love here that like Faramir also is. Like Faramir is also the son of Gondor yeah. in a very real way. Yeah. Now they have the rest of that conversation where Denethor is like, we have to protect us Gilead. We can't let it fall. I won't yield the river and the Pelennor unfought. Not if there is a captain here who has still the courage to do his lord's will. Then all were silent. But at length Faramir said, I do not oppose your will, sire. Since you are robbed of Boromir, I will go and do what I can in his stead, if you command it. I do so, said Denethor. Then farewell, said Faramir. But if I should return, think better of me. That depends on the manner of your return said Denethor. And then we have that line from Gandalf. Gandalf it was who last spoke to Faramir ere he rode east. Do not throw your life away rashly or in bitterness, he said. Which I do, like, I appreciate that part and the you will be needed here for other things than war, but not your father loves you, Faramir, and will will remember it ere the end. Right. It's so so frustrating. We talked about this actually in this line occurs in the movie in the last segment, which we ended up not including because of horse reasons. But, like, yeah. the insistence that, like, that Denethor loves Faramir is really frustrating to me because, like, love is not an abstract concept. Like, love is something that exists in in action. Yeah. I don't care what Denethor personally feels. Like, the way he treats Faramir is not love. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, like, we do see a shift before the end of this chapter where Denethor kind of, like, feels the the loss of Faramir or what he perceives as the loss because Faramir is, like, wounded and poisoned. And it seems that at that point he feels some internal affection toward Fer- Faramir and, like, but the way, grief but the way at he not takes action him. upon that. Right, but he never, like, we think of love as, like, a, a verb, you know, an action word. Yeah. And he does not show love to Faramir, whatever he yeah. may feel. This, like, two-pronged thing from Gandalf is is so frustrating side by side. Like, like you said, don't, do not throw away your life rashly or in bitterness you will be needed for other things than war is is good it's but it's so close to like like don't don't let denethor determine this for you like denethor does not get to make those decisions for you like denethor should not be your criteria for like how you judge what is worthy and i just want so badly for it to take that step instead of landing on your father loves you and he will remember it ere the end yeah the most charitable interpretation of this and like i still don't like the line but i think Mm -hmm. what what gandalf is getting at here is he is trying to say to faramir you don't need to do this to earn your father's love right yeah because Mm -hmm. it exists regardless of that and he will realize it at some point. Yeah. You being a battle hero is not the thing that is going to make that happen or that will like earn yeah, it. Yeah, like your actions don't affect. Like, yeah. Y- your actions are not what determines like how, yes. how Denethor feels about you. Yeah. It's just frustrating yeah. because of Denethor's like callousness and cruelty. Absolutely. But Faramir and his, and his guys have... <laughs> Faramir and his guys have gone out and then 
there's news that, you know, a host had issued from Minas Morgul and was already drawing nigh to Osgiliath, and it had been joined by regiments from the south, the Haradrim, and the darkness has, like, reached its full the next day. There's just, I mean, this whole chapter, like, there is, like, mounting dread and, like, more and more, like, allies of Sauron are showing up. Okay, let me let me be on my bullshit for yeah. one second. Mm-hmm. Um because a thing that is going to feature heavily uh in the upcoming scenes are like siege engines, siege engines and catapults. Mm-hmm. Like so much of this chapter is the like is the ratcheting, like the like tooth by tooth, the like ratcheting up of the tension. Yeah. Like a catapult about yeah. to <laughs> lob, lob a fucking head over the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and then they're blasting breaches in the walls of Osgiliath. Baragon says, where is Faramir? Say not that he has fallen, because they're kind of seeing from a distance, like, these red flashes and this and that, right? Mm -hmm. It was Gandalf that brought the first tidings. With a handful of horsemen, he came in the middle morning, riding his escort to a line of wains filled with wounded men, all that could be saved from the wreck of the causeway forts. He goes to Denethor... He says, Faramir still lived when I left him, yet he is resolved to stay with the rear guard, lest the retreat over the Pelennor beca- become a, a route, a route. Route. A route. Yeah. Gandalf says, like, a foe I, that I fear is greater than me is coming. Uh, Pippin thinks it is Sauron himself, and it's it's the Black Captain, the Witch King of Angmar. Denethor is really fucking dismissive and is like, Then, Mithrandir, you had a foe to match you. For myself, I have long known who is the chief captain of the hosts of the Dark Tower. Is this all that you have returned to say? Or can it be that you have withdrawn because you are overmatched? This is such a good moment. Pippin trembled, fearing that Gandalf would be stung to sudden wrath. It might but be his so. his fear was needless, yeah. I feel like I don't even want it with that. Like... It might be so, Gandalf answered softly, but our trial of strength is not yet come. Like, Denethor with this, like, shitty quip in the inappropriate time for it, and Gandalf, instead of responding with anger, like, simply being like, yeah, yeah, it might be. Mm-hmm. Gandalf advises, like, sending out a sortie and... Of mounted men, specifically. Oh, yes. So horses. And shares some other news. Denethor says, and we have... And also we have few now with the coming of Rohan be in the nick of time, which, Oof. you know, just horse stuff. Interesting because right. we know that like Gondor doesn't really do cavalry in that way. Yeah. And then Denethor in response to this says, some have accused you, Mithrandir, of delighting to bear <laughs> ill news. But to me, this is no longer news. It was known to me ere nightfall it's... yesterday. As for the sortie, I had already given thought to it. Let us go down. It's so fucking catty. It's also He's kind of like, funny because you everyone... cannot tell me anything new. <laughs> right, right. But like, also, that's the exact same like thing that like fucking um, possessed Theoden was like, like possessed Theoden and Wormtongue were like, oh, you just love to give bad news, don't you? And Gandalf yeah. is out here like, ah, ah. <laughs> yep. And then things get reading smudge note on palm worse. Things get worse. <laughs> Yes, time passed. That's a sentence that happens. Time passed, uh, and they're retreating, you know, across the fields toward Minas Tirith. I do really like this. So we just said, like, 
Gandalf, like Gandalf was saying, like, oh no, Faramir is going to stay with the rearguard lest the retreat over Pelennor became a, a route. Mm. A, ra- a route. God, I just said it <laughs> yeah. incorrectly. Become, become a route. And then one page later, the retreat became a route. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, now the main retreat was scarcely two furlongs distant. Out of the gloom behind a small company of horsemen galloped all that was left of the rear guard. Once again, they turned at bay, facing the oncoming lines of fire. Um, horsemen of the enemy swept up. And then, yeah, the retreat became a, a rout because the Nazgul fly in again. Um, and then Denethor at least rele- at last releases some, some guys on horses. Including the Prince of Dol Amroth. Yeah, and his swan knights. And... It helps. It says, like thunder, they broke upon the enemy on either flank of the retreat. But one rider outran them all, swift as the wind in the grass. There it is again. It's good every time. It's good every time. Shining, unveiled once more, a light starting from his upraised hand. It's that tweet that you just retweeted about, like, listening to the same 20 20 songs over and over again, but, like, goddamn, do they hit? Yeah. They eventually make it. Faramir had lost a third of his men, and where was he? Last of all, he came. His men passed in, the mounted knights returned, and at their rear the banner of Dol Amroth and the prince, and in his arms before him on his horse he bore the body of his kinsman, Faramir, son of Denethor, found upon the stricken field. He had, like, just been turning as the Nazgul had swerved aside from Gandalf, but a deadly dart came flying and hit Faramir. Yep. Men are weeping in the streets yeah. for Faramir. Um, the city is like fully besieged on all sides with the last of the defenses being broken. And Denethor just says, make a bed for Faramir. And he goes up into the tower and sits by his bed silently. The thing that they were worried about, which is that now that the city is surrounded and they don't really have any of their defensive points uh like how how can ro even if rohan comes how can they get here how can they break through one note here is he has faramir put to bed but before he goes and sits with his son he himself went up alone into the secret room under the summit of the tower and many who looked up thither at that time saw a pale light that gleamed and flickered from the narrow windows for a while and then flashed and went out. And when Denethor descended again, he went to Faramir and sat beside him without speaking. But the face of the Lord was gray, more death-like than his son's. And I think the implication here is that he was looking into a palantir. Oh, interesting. Because all the other, canonically, all the other palantir are lost, aren't they? I don't think so. Maybe that's just movie. Because it's like the the sort of gray... And like aged, the, it's the same language that they that Tolkien used to describe Aragorn after he had looked yeah. at the Palantir. Yeah. And there's all of this stuff about seeing, and I think it is part of what pushes Denethor over the edge is that he continues to think that he can, you know, master a thing that I mean, probably he has been periodically looking into the Palantir but here and there. Sa- Sauron uses it to show him like only defeat. Like, only all the ways that they are doomed. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, but yeah. That's interesting. Oh, 
Yeah, okay, here. This says, The kings and stewards of Gondor did not use the Palantir of Minas Anor after the fall of Minas Ithil until the time of the War of the Ring, when Denethor II, oh. which is this Denethor, right. grown grim after the death of his wife, felt that he needed the knowledge that the Palantir could give him in order to counter Sauron. However, Sauron so manipulated Denethor's visions and assaulted his mind that the steward went mad during the Battle of the Pelennor Fields and burned himself with the Palantir in his hands. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we will see the we will see the Palantir. Whoa. After this time, the only picture that could be seen in the Palantir except by one of very strong will was of two burning hands. What the fuck? Oh my god. Yeah. And then the seventh Palantir was the one of of Orthanc, which Saruman found and used. Which is Aragorn's. And then, right, Aragorn now has it. <sighs> okay, that's an, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that we, like, actually see it again, because in the movie, the, you know, they say that yeah. all the Palantirs are lost. We'll see, because it doesn't, you know, we don't get this it by the end of the chapter like it doesn't right right you know yeah that's that was a really great catch on your part yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that is what is happening yeah yeah um good call so um you know big description of the host outside faramir is desperately sick with fever though like rumors are spreading that he's dying and pippin is just like waiting on Denethor as he sits like silently besides Faramir's. Yeah, it says no hours so dark had Pippin known, not even in the clutches of the Urukai. Urukai? Urukai. Yeah. It was his duty to wait upon the Lord, and wait he did, forgotten it seemed, standing by the door of the unlit chamber, mastering his own fears as best he could. And as he watched, it seemed to him that Denethor grew old before his eyes, as if something had snapped in his proud will, and his stern mind was overthrown. Grief, maybe, had wrought it, and remorse. He saw tears on that once tearless face, more unbearable than wrath. This is what we were talking about, kind of that moment of, like, Denethor having some remorse for what he's done to Faramir. I sent my son forth, unthanked and unblessed, out into needless peril, and here he lies with poison in his veins. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, siege engines are making everything really bad. They're, like, the inner city is on fire because they've been lobbing bombs, like, over the outer walls into the... And again, heads. Yes, and right after the initial bombs, then they start catapulting... The heads of the Gondorians that have already been killed in battle. Yeah, and Denethor, um, like, at the end of that scene with Pippin, kind of abdicates. Like, people are like, you know, you have to come give us orders. And he says, I must stay beside my son. He might still speak before the end, but that is near. Follow whom you will, even the gray fool, though his hope has failed. Here I stay. Yeah. So Gandalf takes over the defense of the city. And it does, it says, like, Gandalf, tireless he strode from citadel to gate, from north to south about the wall, and with him went the Prince of Dol Amroth in his shining mail. And wherever he goes, men's hearts would lift again. But then when he leaves, they get cold and sad again. But, like, Gandalf is, like, very present, and he is, like, you know, trying to, like, be there for everyone and... 
manage things. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking about the description of Denethor as like like something had broken within him. Mm-hmm. These books are so emotional. Like there's so much about emotion and they take emotion very seriously. Like emotion is always yeah. having these like very real like physical effects on people. Yeah. I don't have anything interesting to say there yeah, other than no, that. It's, yeah. You know, it's true. So G- Gandalf is busy defending the city and like therefore unavailable to Pippin and this is when Pippin realizes that he needs outside help because Denethor decides to take a more active role in his and Faramir <laughs> ends. Yep. He asks that a pyre be built. Well, he says farewell to Pippin. He says, send for my servants and go, because he's going to his pyre. Pippin says, yeah. I will not say farewell, my lord, kneeling. And then suddenly, hobbit-like once more, he stood up and looked the old man in the eyes. I will take your leave, sir, he said, for I want to see Gandalf very much indeed. But he is no fool, and I will not think of dying until he despairs of life. But from my word in your service, I do not wish to be released while you live. And if they come at last to the citadel, I hope to be here and stand beside you and earn, perhaps, the arms that you have given me. I love the sentiment, but, like, why why the loyalty to Denethor? Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know... I don't quite understand that. That doesn't... No, I like, mean, maybe it's the, the, just... Like, I'm not giving like... up hope yet because Gandalf isn't, and, like, I want to be helpful and help where I can but like specifically like I hope to be here and and earn something from you and earn the arm that you have given me like that that just doesn't work for me yeah I think it's partly that like Pippin made a promise and he wants to actually like do something to fulfill it and also that that promise had to do with Boromir saving his life yeah that's a good point and and dying to save his life. And I think there's some, yeah, some sense of obligation then on Pippin's part to, like, repay that. God, it's so... Why. It really is, like... We've talked about the difference, obviously, in the relationship between, like, Pippin and Denethor and Mary and Theoden. But both of them, like, separated from the other are still, like, pursuing the same path. So that's the other thing, is that I think... Pippin without Mary is like, well, like I swore loyalty to this guy. And so like, that's the only anchor I have right now. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And and Gandalf isn't here. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Denethor has the servants like carry Faramir like on his mattress, basically, or like on his bed. Just imagine, you know, grandpa's bed from Stardew Valley. Faramir is on there. They're carrying it. Yeah. And this is this is a great moment of like Pippin's like hobbit cleverness again, which is that he like intercepts so they set Faramir and Denethor up. <laughs> he like Denethor like tucks them both under the same coverlet like on one of the marble um beds where the dead kings are laid and like sends the servants for wood and oil to um, you know, self-immolate. Literally Denethor has been tucked into bed next to Faramir, right? Yeah, under on it's, this, it specifically on says under the same coverlet. Yes, covered them with one covering. 
then Denethor spoke in a low voice, like, and I just, I'm imagining him, like, basically pretending to be dead already, like, (laughs) arms crossed, and then he speaks with a low voice and says, here we will wait, he said, but send not for the embalmers, bring us wood quick to burn, and lay it all about us, and beneath, and pour oil upon it, and when I bid you, thrust in a torch, do this and speak no more to me, farewell, and that's when Pippin says, by your leave, Lord, and turns and flees in terror. But but he does a very smart thing here, yes. which is he intercepts the servants and says, like, I know you gotta do what he says, but, like, move slowly. Bring no fire to this place while Faramir lives. Do nothing until Gandalf comes. And Pippin finds Baragond, and they... Pippin is like, I need to find Gandalf because this is what is happening. And Baragond is like, I can't leave my post. Pippin says, but Baragond, if you can do something to stop any dreadful... Or, yeah, that's before Baragond says that. And then Pippin says, well, you must choose between orders and the life of Faramir. And as for orders, I think you have a madman to deal with, not a lord. I must run. I will return if I can. And I I mean, I love it. I love that Pippin just very clearly is like, look, if you want Faramir to live, you have to disobey orders. And like... well. And this is the thing you were referring to earlier that has come up several times throughout these books is, like, people lower in the power structure having to choose to, like, disobey orders yes. to, like, do um, yes. what they feel to be the right thing. Yeah. Uh, we don't. Interestingly, I don't think we actually see what Baragon decides to do in this chapter, but I'm sure we will. Pippin kind of makes his way down. It's terrifying. Like, there's fire. It's all, it's just all bad. Um, oh, Grand is there, the, like, the battering ram that's yeah, has, like, like a, a big metal wolf head and eventually breaks through the door. And then the Witch King of Angmar, who is on a horse again, um, yep. comes in. Over the hills of Slain, a hideous shape appeared, a horseman, tall, hooded, cloaked in black. Slowly trampling the fallen, he rode forth, heeding no longer any dart. And yeah. yeah, and he like he like spells Grand and explodes the gate. Pippin turns a corner and finds himself with Gandalf and the Witch King face to face. Yeah. There waiting silent and still in the space before the gate sat Gandalf upon Shadowfax. Shadowfax who alone among the free horses of the earth endured the terror, unmoving, steadfast as a graven image in Rathdenen. You cannot enter here, said Gandalf, and the huge shadow halted. Go back to the abyss prepared for you. Go back. Fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master. Go. And the black rider, like, flings back his hood, and behold, he had a kingly crown, and yet upon no head visible was it set. The red fires shone between it and the mantled shoulders vast and dark. From a mouth unseen, there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said, old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now and curse in vain. And with that, he lifted high his sword and flames ran down the blade. Can we alternate these last two paragraphs? Because I just want to read them. They're very short. Gandalf did not move. And in that very moment... Away, behind in some courtyard of the city, a cock crowed. Shrill and clear he crowed, wrecking nothing of wizardry or war, welcoming only the morning that in the sky far above the shadows of death was coming with the dawn. 
and as if in answer there came from far away another note. Horns, horns, horns! In dark Mandolin's sides they dimly echoed, great horns of the north wildly blowing. Rohan had come at last. Ah! Rohan! 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 Wow. I just, oh god, the rooster crowing, like, it's so good. Uh, I feel like this is, like, kind of a trope in, like, battle scenes now. Um, But, like, I love the, like, Pippin, like, running past men who are shouting at him and, like, you have to imagine how loud and noisy it is and then like turning a corner and suddenly being faced alone with this tableau. Yeah. And we get no resolution on Faramir yet. Yeah. Uh, Lots of horses, lots of feelings. Yeah. I have something to say about Faramir. Unsurprising. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So like we've talked about trans Faramir, right? Extensively. Um, Which like, I saw something recently where someone had had canon Faramir as, like, a trans woman, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, like, I understand why one would do that. I feel like I generally just, like, if I'm going to keep calling a character the pronouns used in the text, then, like, that's going to be their current identified gender because it feels wrong to do otherwise, you know? I know people have like gender swap AUs, which that's that's like yeah. a whole other thing. It yeah. is it is interesting to like actively like question and imagine the like gender of characters. Totally, in terms of kind of like an ongoing like thing that is pretty like fits within what is present in the text. Like it is much easier for me to, you know, go with like the way Faramir refers to himself now is his current gender identity you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. um anyways but like we talked about you know in the movie like pippin wears his old uniform and faramir says it it didn't feel like it fit him right it never fitted me well which in some ways feels like oh like i had boy clothes and then i didn't want them anymore right my thoughts about it now are that like Faramir came out as a kid and Mm -hmm. Denethor was initially supportive and was like, great, like here's some armor for you. Like you're going to be just like Boromir. I have two sons, love this. But then Faramir wasn't the same kind of boy as Boromir. Right. Yeah. That, which speaks to like the in-text characterization of like, Faramir as being a person who does not love war for war's own sake. Right. Like, it didn't fit him, not because it was boys' clothes, but because it was livery and armor. Right. There's, like, there's a nuance of, I mean, as a person who, like, sometimes I use the word transmasculine for myself and sometimes I don't because I feel really confused by masculinity. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, like... Faramir was like, okay, cool. Like I'm choosing masculinity. And Denethor was like, okay, here you go. Toxic masculinity. And Faramir's like, no, not that kind. And Denethor was like, fuck you then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And it, it actually like that interpretation allows for a lot of like Denethor uses the correct pronouns and like occasionally calls him his son. Right. But it is all with this like bitterness. And I feel like there's, I don't know. It just, it, it works really well for me to like think of it like that. 
Well, and because you you fundamentally, like, can't have conversations about transness without, like, talking about, like, other people's expectations of your gender. Yeah. That does really, that does really work for me. Yeah, I, like, I can't remember that specific line, but, like, Faramir talking about, like, war and, like, fighting as a means to an end and not, yeah. and a th- and not as a thing to be gloried in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Faramir. <sighs> Buddy. Anyways, so that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about Faramir. So that's, we, we discussed all the horses. We discussed, this was a, this was like meaty horse. Oh, 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 wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I did want to talk about the description of shadow facts alone among the free horses of the earth. That's a specific word choice, you know? Yeah. Does free here, is free in contrast to like the horses that are in the employ of Sauron. Yeah, that's, yes, that is 100% okay. how I read that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, like Shadowfax is here because he chooses to be here. Like, regardless of kind of, like, what side of the fighting he's on, like, he makes a choice to be here instead of being, like, afraid and forced into it. Yeah, because I imagine, like, if some of these other people who were on horses, like, were you know, attempting to keep their horses still, like, sort of forcing them to endure, although I imagine they wouldn't, like, look calm the way, like, an unmoving, like, shadow faxes, but, yeah, like... Yeah, gra- like a graven image. Right, they're not, like, doing that of their free will in the same way that shadow fax is here. Wow. Um, what was your favorite horse in these chapters? I know, like, the horse ranking is a little different in, you know, book talks, but... I really like Roheron, like the idea of Aragorn having, uh, like, I understand yeah. it's just a, you know, you can see where, like, the inspiration for Brago came from, but it's great. Although I'm, I'm mad that we don't get any description of Roheron. Yeah, just that, just that he has, has a proud shape and is kind of shaggy haired as the horses of the Northern Rangers are. Assuming that Roheron, a gift from Arwen, is like those other horses um yeah i think it is hold on let me i feel like it probably said something along the lines a little apart the rangers blah 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 their horses were strong and of proud bearing but rough haired and one stood there without a rider aragorn aragorn's own horse that they had brought from the north roharon was his name there was no gleam of stone or gold nor any fair thing in all their gear and harness nor did the riders bear any badger token yeah, they present him as being one of those horses that they've just described. Because we don't even get here that it was a gift from Arwen, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's safe to assume that he is also yeah. a little shaggy, which fits Strider very well. Love that. Love the girlfriend horse. Love a girlfriend horse. Love to have Aragorn as he is now, like actively taking up the mantle of his like kingship reunited with a physical representation of his like previous self yeah via shaggy mountain horse mm-hmm. who was your favorite also roharon yeah although stibba 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 is good we'll, we'll we'll give you an update next episode what we decided to do about stibba and the name document yeah on to songs we have a song and a, and a prophecy from yeah, this. Both, both are kind of so grim. cheerful. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure what we want to do with those. 
Yeah. I definitely think because there are some present, we need to do one of them instead of dipping into our yeah. unused catalog as we I have done previously. So, too. so we have Over the Land There Lies a Long Shadow. Neither of these has Tolkien's traditional rhyme scheme, which is great news for us. They're actually very similar to each other in like meter and punctuation. Yeah. There's lots Over of the kind of like half sentences, like a sentence that will end halfway through a line and then another phrase starts. Over the land there lies a long shadow, westward reaching, wings of darkness. The tower trembles to the tombs of kings, doom approaches, the dead awaken, for the hour is come for the oath breakers. I wish he had kept that meter, the meter of the first line going throughout the thing. Like, it's got that really, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Which I'm a person who remembered anything from English classes might be able to tell you is about iams and meters. Yeah. God, these are both such bummers. I think the second one. Uh, For no particular reason. I just, let's go with it. We're certainly not going to do all of it. No. Should we just read aloud once? Yeah. I was just looking to see if there's, like, really any rhyme scheme. And there's not, not a... Not really. No. Sometimes, like, there's a little bit of a meter pattern and then it loses the rhythm. Kind of like um, the first one. Um... Do you want to do the first half and I'll do From Fourth Road Theoden? From dark Dunharrow in the dim morning, with Thane and Captain rode Thengel's son. To Edoras he came, the ancient halls of the Mark Wardens mist enshrouded. Golden timbers were were in gloom mantled. Farewell he bade to his free people, hearth and high seat and the hallowed places, where long he had feasted ere the light faded. Forth rode the king, fear behind him, fate before him, fealty kept he, oaths he had taken, all fulfilled them. Forth rode Theoden, five nights and days, east and onward rode the Erlingas, through Fold and Finmarch and the Furian Wood, six thousand spears to suit. I should have looked at all these proper <laughs> nouns before I started reading the poem. Six thousand spears to Sunlanding, Mundberg, the mighty under Mindolian, Sea King City in the South Kingdom, foe beleaguered, fire encircled. Doom drove them on, darkness took them, horse and horsemen, hoofbeats afar sank into silence, so the songs tell us. Yeah. Mundberg. (laughs) Mundberg. Mundberg. So, um... Yeah, the the lines that really fall into, you know, the, like, fourth road the king, fear behind him, fate before him, fealty kept he, oaths he had taken, all fulfilled them. Like, that, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom. Like, it feels like, like, it's in this kind of, it's in, like, two, like, fourth road the king. Fear behind him, fate before him. Anyways, like let's <laughs> you, let's you, aim. You just for... have the cadence of like instructional rap videos oh, for like God. teaching you French, you know. Yeah, um, but let's aim for like you know that kind of 
it's not exactly meter, but like to keep us to keep us anchored. Yeah, because we because there's no like rhyme scheme. I think we're pretty much just like mm-hmm. we're we're kind of rewriting, mainly just like doing a thing. Yeah, a new thing. I um, think thematically, because this is about like Theoden, a king fulfilling his oath what if we did this about like shadow facts a king choosing to stand beside gandalf and face danger yeah i was thinking we could do that or we could do it about roharen entering the paths of the dead oh interesting yeah i like that i like that there's very much a sense of inevitable forward motion in this song Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. while, like, we could make that work with shadow facts, I feel like the power of that last image with shadow facts is is stillness. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I was trying to keep the theme of like a king fulfilling a promise, but I yeah totally agree with what you're getting at and think it is stronger. And I like like the like literally like fear behind him, fate before him. It, like those lines you can we can just we can keep, keep those like, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 some of this we could keep too with like the farewell the farewell to the places because like Roharon has not been to Rohan like he is from the northern ranges yeah farewell he bade to or like we could say like farewell he bade to daylight or something because they're going into this dark horrible cave mm yeah and like grass and space i mean there is i think there's like horses love space right like horses love wide open spaces cue the the chick song wide open spaces wide open spaces okay um and and roharon has to (laughs) fly this horse as high as you can and closer to oaths God, I want to free. make like an oh, Otterborn fan free. cam to Cowboy Take Me Away. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Patreon tier! I do not have the video skills to. I don't know. I don't. I, do I would not it. even oh know god. where to start to. Because I'm fucking inept. When and no, it comes it's, to that's that stuff. really. It's really but, like, good. But like, that's what I want. If someone oh. wants to make that for me, uh, you know, DM me. We'll talk. But anyways, he has to go into, like, a very closed, narrow space out of wide open spaces. Um, Out of wide open spaces. Yes, so there could be, yeah, something there. I think the first two lines, let's let's start the way this starts. So, from Dark Dunharrow in the dim morning, with king and ranger rode Roharin. Thank you, Roharin, for your three-syllable name. Yeah, I know we've been saying Roharin. I think here, Road Roharin just. Yeah, I mean it's the same we've done. We've done like Rohan for the rhymes game. Yeah, where do you want to jump to then, though? Because I think like the next three lines. But we need to say where we're going. Where we're going is to the past of the dead. Oh right, yes. Toward... Oh, I need to be typing this. That's my job, huh? Can you read me what we have so yes. far? I was from, slacking at my duty. From Dark Dunharrow. In the dim morning. With King, King and Ranger. And Ranger. Rode, rode Roharin. Ro- 
toward the cursed stone of Eric. Getting the accent on there. Yeah. Toward the, uh, toward the cursed stern, stone of Eric. Something to trod the paths of the dead. Oh, faded, faded to trod That's the really paths good. of the dead. Good, yeah. Farewell, he bade. Farewell, he neighed. Oh my god, criminals. <laughs> Farewell, he neighed to to bright... Yeah, to what? To, to bright green meadows? To... I want to... What do you want? I mean, I was thinking with bright, like something about the, the sun, but we could mm. do bright green meadows for that first line. Just leave the end of that line open for now and okay. and keep going. Farewell, he neighed to something something. Um... Bum ba bum ba da da da. Wow. So far, like even though the poem doesn't group things neatly in sets of two or four lines, we've been doing that. Like we have two lines and then two lines, and I want to keep that. So what I'm imagining is that we have two lines here that kind of cover the like farewell stuff, and then right. the next two lines are going to be like whatever instead of fourth road the king fear behind him fate before him something something i mean we could keep that fourth road the steed fear behind him dark yeah before yeah, yeah, him. yeah i'm i'm just saying that these we have to stick to just two lines here oh to yeah encapsulate yeah. whatever yeah that's fine. the farewell fourth road the steed fear behind him dark before him i'm keeping it okay fealty kept he something well yeah okay. wait, wait, wait wait i'm so done Sorry. i'm so done i yeah i was not trying to go there yet i was just saying okay so farewell he made i think what i'm asking is what all do you want to communicate in these two lines so instead of describing the undesirable conditions into which he's heading uh-huh we're trying to describe the the, the lack of which would be upsetting to a, a horse yeah so it's dark, it's cramped, it's full of fucking ghosts. Yeah. Do you think horses feel the same way as Legolas about people ghosts? They're like, ah, go. Oh, it's just a, it's just a human ghost. That's fine. I don't know. They seem pretty scared, so probably not. They do seem pretty scared. Is that what Legolas is singing to Arod? Is like, don't worry, they're just human ghosts. It's fine. <laughs> as we've previously discussed, horses are afraid of everything. Yeah. Um, Fa okay, farewell he made to warming sunshine because what, it's cold in there too. Oh, I was going to say farewell he... I, I was going to keep bright green meadows for now. Farewell he made to bright green meadows to, mm, to spacious meadows. Farewell he made to spacious meadows, bright sun shining, blank, 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 blank. And then that next couplet. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's fine. My question here is like in the, in, we have kind of three lines in the original, you know, farewell he bade to his free people, hearth and high seat and the hallowed places where long he had feasted ere the light faded. So do you, do we need something after bright sunshine? Like, how do you want it to wrap up mm. or can it just be a list? You know, I think it can just be a list. Although if we wanted to yeah. like tie it back into like the thing we were talking about, which is that. Sorry, hold on. I've 
crinkling a piece of paper while I was talking, which is a crime. Um, we could, oh my God, Caitlin. Okay, we could use this. We could uh, use that line to tie it back into the thing we were talking about, which is like, Rohan is also new to him. He is from like Ariador. Like it could be like goodbye to like Bright Green Meadows to, you know, whatever the thing is, to like yeah. the the Northern Hills from which he comes or something. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Wait. From which he hails? I think you've added too many syllables. Okay. I want to streamline this. What if it's farewell he neighed to bright sun shining on the hills where once he ran? Does that like capture it all? Yeah, that definitely, that like captures all the ideas. The meter is just like weird in this. Yeah. Farewell he neighed to bright sun shining on the hills on which he ran. I, I don't think I like the on on there. Uh... Yeah. What if we yeah, did yeah, yeah. Bright Sun Shining Familiar Hills on which he ran? Does that work? Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Fourth Road the Steed. Or it could be on the hills from which he came. Either either or. But I we can we can do familiar. I think either of those works. There's just no linkage between Bright Sun Shining and Familiar Hills, which is oh, why I went the other. I mean, but it, they work as. Does that? Yeah, make but sense? they work as separate too because it's like he misses the sun and being on being like in a place. Yeah, totally. Yes, it's yeah. I'm just used to doing the like. If there's a comma there, it's fine as long as there's a third thing and that's like bright sun shining, familiar hills, and something else, right? And because there's not that and something else, my my mind is just like you. You need an and or a different thing. But I don't think we poetry. actually do because it's poetry. Yeah. Familiar hills on which he ran. I'm inclined to believe you don't need the and either because that's like how people talk is frequently in list without. But, but I hear yeah. you. Yeah. I know the meter is throwing you a little but like Because I... it goes from like longer to shorter. Like from Dark Dunharrow in the Dim Morning with King and Ranger rode Roharan. Toward the cursed stone of Eric, faded to tread the path. Say it, say it along with my claps, okay? We're gonna. No, no, no. You, 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 you say it as you think it should okay. be said. From dark Dunharrow in the dim morning, right? That's four claps for that line. Mm-hmm. With king and ranger rode Roharan, four claps. Yes. Toward right. the cursed stone of Eric, four claps. Faded to trod the path. I was forgetting the accent the on dead. cursed to give it another. Yeah. Cursed. Syllable. Okay, so those are all like four beat lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Farewell he neighed to bright sun shining, familiar hills on which he ran. Yeah, it works. Yeah. It's just that sometimes you're putting more syllables in a beat than other times, but like because of it, where it was the literally, emphasis falls. It was falls, literally the cursed. Oh, it was, okay. Because if you don't make that two syllables, the whole thing fucking falls apart. Yes. And now we switch to the two... Like, yes, uh, and then uh, we have fourth road the fourth steed. Road the steed. Fear behind him. I want to talk about this because this like fealty kept he in this line is connected to the next line, and we don't. We're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, I think we could and end it there. Like we could do like fourth road the steed, fear behind him, dark before him, 
if we don't have to keep fealty kepti, we can be like faithful kepti or something like like bonds of love, a right or something like it wouldn't be that hard to transform if we wanted to. We just need an even number of lines. And yeah. so if the last part of that line connects to another line, then there has to be another line after that. Yes and no, because like because of how it breaks them, the fourth with two, fealty with two is three lines and period ends there. Tolkien does that in the original. That's not what we've been doing. We've been squaring it a little bit more mm -hmm. to make it feel sturdier. And I don't want to break that right at the end by having like one stray line. Okay, so what's what's your solution to this then? Either it has to end after whatever we put in place of fealty kept he, or that we have to write two more lines there. Yeah, I think we should do that because then it's like, okay, that's, that feels yeah, that's fine with me. I just content wise, I I think as well. Yeah, what I meant is just that I want to be strategic about what we do with the words here so that we're setting ourselves up for success. To end cleanly. In in the end, yeah. <laughs> we have... It's very serious language for, like, writing of like, low-stakes poem about a fucking horse. Like, I just want to make sure we're setting ourselves up for success. Um, okay, so. Forth rode the steed. Yes. Fear behind him. Dark before him. Dark before him. Do you want to do fealty kepti? No, because horses don't swear fealty. Like, they might be loyal or whatever, but, like, I feel like fealty is a very, like, human concept. Yeah. What do you want the end of this to be about? That Rohirrim is doing it for Aragorn. Like, that's the motivation that we haven't touched upon in this whole thing, is we're, like, setting up all of the, like stakes and like why it is the way you know like why is it bad like what is he missing out on by going into air and then the punchline is is like is he did it for this reason yeah man gone are the days of writing poems about fucking oats you know yeah <laughs> okay loyal was he instead of great. fealty kept he great love for his rider drove him forward and then one last line um, maybe something about, like, long ago their bond was forged, or... Oh, I was going, I was thinking much deeper, which was, like, <laughs> like, he follows his ranger to any end or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, loyal was he, love for his ranger drove him forward to follow his ranger to any end, because that, like, it's the continuation of the line beforehand. Like, yeah. love for him, for his ranger yeah, drives yeah, him yeah. forward to... yeah. Follow, should we say his, his... What if we just say to follow Aragorn? Uh, there we go. To follow Aragorn to any end. I can't believe we're ending this poem by giving this horse Boromir's last words. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Can we keep what we have and end and, and add the actual last two lines of this song? Oh, Yes, we can. Okay. Because then uh, it gives us three sets of four lines, which uh, is, is very nice and symmetrical, and it's good and fitting. That's great. Okay. So um, do you want to pass off every two lines for our yes. recitation? Yes, yes, yes. 
From dark Dunharrow in the dim morning, with king and ranger rode Roharan. Toward the cursed stone of Eric, fated to trod the paths of the dead. Farewell he neighed to bright sun shining, familiar hills on which he ran. Forth rode the steed, fear behind him, dark before him, loyal was he. Love for his rider drove him forward, to follow Aragorn to any end. Horse and horseman, hoofbeats afar, sank into silence. So the songs tell us. Ooh. Ooh. Fuck yeah. That was a horse ghost, to be clear. So it was Yeah, that, that was a horse ghost. Fuck. We, we fought for that one, Joey. We fought for it, you know? Yeah, I feel good about it. Uh, that is the third vow. And the fourth vow, are any beacons lit here where no beacons are lit? Yeah, there's a little bit of a lit beacon. Gotta pull up twitter.com. So uh, we had a question from Ash. I think it's pronounced Ash. There's an E on the end. And so I'm sorry if you pronounce that E in some way. And now I'm not, I'm not doing that. Twitter handa, mm, Twitter, Twitter handle, handa. <laughs> Twitter handle, hella cool bro Ash, um, said recently, hello, I'm listening to episode six. So maybe you addressed this in a later episode in IDK if I missed it, but what happened to Hasufel? And I had answered a little bit on Twitter, um, but we talked about that more in the episode today. Yeah, and... we can answer more definitively now because we actually see Hasufel. Right. In the movie, Hasufel just disappears. Presumably, he goes to Helm's Deep after Aragorn falls off the cliff, you know? Because mm-hmm. they're like, well... I'm, I'm sure he does because they lose this... so many horses in that battle yes. that they need Hasufel. And then, you know, he goes on to whatever. And in the book, we see that... You know, Hasufel is still around for Ottergorn to ride, but then he goes back to girlfriend horse and Hasufel presumably goes with the riders. So that's the canonical answer. The equally canonical answer is like, and thank you for his good work. Hasufel retires to a pleasant pasture and like never has to go to battle again. Hasufel goes to the gay havens and gets to hang out in the horse city with Kirdan. Gets to go to the horse loving zone where there's, there's, not to forgive. There's not to forgive in the horse-loving zone. Yeah. Okay, and our other question has been around for a while now, and I'm so sorry that we are not getting to... I mean, that we're only now getting to it. Um, is that someone asked us, like, what oh, the yeah. rest of the Fellowship would look like as horses as a follow-up to the question we got about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what would the hobbits look like as horses or ponies or whatever. Um, I'm trying to find the actual thing, but we've tweeted so much recently that, um, are you complaining about my like 17 difficult photos, deep Twitter threats? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not complaining. There's not to forgive. Would Aragorn just look like Brago? What I like about that, what I like about that is Brago's weird ability to like color shift because of how it represents Aragorn's like multiple identities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, come on. Where is this tweet? Was it Cal or Mir? No. Oh no. And then there are 
It's about Black Beauty. What have we been doing? What have we been doing? Good God. <laughs> Do you remember when we split episodes into book and movie to try and cut down on episode length? Mm-hmm. No reason, just asking. <laughs> if you remembered when we did that. Oh, God. Oh, okay. I found it. It's from LOTR Madness on Twitter, who said, Shadowfax, after listening to this episode and learning what the hobbits would look like as ponies, I must ask your opinions on what the rest of the fellowship would look like as horses. So, yeah, I can see that. I can also see Ottergorn being like, like a little shaggier. Oh, totally. Yeah. But like, it's tough because often like the shaggy horses I'm familiar with are tend to be like shorter and stockier and more pony-like. No, I, I know that what you're talking about, that like kind of shaggy around the like neck and shoulder. Yeah. It's like when horses who like aren't trimmed get their winter coat. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Ooh, yeah, like, what is this horse? This is, like, an Icelandic horse. You're looking at pictures of horses? I love to look at pictures of horses. Yeah. You know, food for thought, we could have just looked at pictures of horses. We didn't need this as a vehicle for looking at pictures of horses. No one would have stopped us from looking at pictures of horses. Look, I sent you a picture of a horse. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Very aragorn spirit which is like hair and face so yeah that's that's my pitch oh you know legolas would actually be one of those what is that um super shiny brand the Ackle tech tech oh how is how is that pronounced one of the ones i sent you on twitter the other day yeah i mean these things i feel like this this horse breed goes around semi-frequently yeah i for some reason had not really encountered it before Mm -hmm. although my like locked twitter keep suggesting tweets from actual horse people just about like regular horse stuff because oh, I no. liked like one fucking tweet and now every day it's just like do you want to hear this person venting about other people who keep horses in the same stable like being bad about things Ugh, yeah yeah so this okay this horse breed the Akalteka, which I might I'm sorry I'm it's, it's spelled time. because we do not know how to pronounce this. Yes. It is spelled A-K-H-A-L hyphen T-E-K-E. It's a horse breed from Turkmenistan, which has like a really beautiful metallic sheen. And they're very lean in frame and very leggy, which also feels legless. And again, the like kind mm-hmm. of beautiful glossy sheen. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it it's caused because the the opaque core of each hair is narrower or even absent sometimes and so light like shines through the hairs in a Mm. way that it doesn't usually and that um creates this like kind of metallic effect yeah um yeah what would Gimli be do you know um curly haired horses that have the like the rex that's literally i just searched rex horse because that's what i was thinking and i was gonna find a picture um rex horse doesn't bring a lot up but curly horse does yeah yeah and definitely something which is built more like cold-blooded and also squat like really powerful thick neck and shoulders i imagine that he'd have some like fetlock feathering this one doesn't have enough feathering necessarily but is good yeah and we'll we'll post these pictures that we are sending to each other we will post on twitter.com so you can see what the fuck we're talking about 
Oh, although this one is also kind of good. Here, I'm looking at this one. Oh, I was just going to send that Great. picture to Love you. Love it. <laughs> although, oh, that's funny. It's it's the same horse, but it's a, a different picture of it. Oh, yeah, sure slightly. enough. Uh, with its tail... Oh, no, just blown to the side. It looked cropped in that second photo. Yeah, yeah. But, like, its feet are in slightly different positions. That's very yeah. funny. Boromir. Mm. Boromir. Boromir. It's, it's such a challenge not to just say, like, oh, yeah, like, people would be the horses that they're riding because that's, like, how I think of them, you know? I mean, yeah. I feel like Boromir on a on a Pangare or Pangare horse feels pretty, you know... Suitable. Yeah. What would what would Aon be? Beautiful. <laughs> feel I like feel like she'd Eowyn be some sort of like be mm-hmm. oh, uh, some sort of like Palomino thoroughbred. Literally but with that... I was gonna say a Palomino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean hair color. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like she'd have that really striking like sometimes Palominos are like like mane and coat or a little more similarly colored. I think she'd have like one of those just like absolutely like pure white mane and tail, so it is really striking mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. and she would be so fast and strong and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like she's so golden, you know, like she's like the sun. And I feel like that's that's what Oh, I look want... at this. I'm sending you a Palomino. This is like horse. a, this is a, a very young horse. And I don't know if the rest of this fits, but they have very high white stockings in the back, which I actually really oh, like for Eowyn. yeah. That's cool. Uh, what were you starting to say? I don't know. <laughs> Just that she looks like the sun and so a horse should look like the sun. Yeah. I would love who, uh, because we were just talking in the last episode about Gruyos, like, who do you think would be? Oh, you know what it would be? It's that Gandalf would be. Oh, absolutely. Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. Right. Either either a Gruyo or a Blue Roan. Yeah, totally. Or like, honestly, like that, that really beautiful elf horse that like. It was weird because it's like a darker gray dapple, but its mane and tail were really like white. Silvery, yeah. Yeah. From Arwen's elf parade to the sea. Yeah, full of visions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here are a couple Palomino pictures that Oh, that first one with nice. the like curved neck and the hair blowing out to the side, which lo- yeah. is like framed yeah. so much like that yeah. first shot of Eowyn standing on the portico at Midaseld. Mm-hmm yeah fuck yeah that yeah. that's her yeah we'll we'll post that one okay great we've covered the hobbits already so like is that is that it we're not forgetting anyone that's the uh, fellowship. that that's like that's like the fellowship i mean eowyn's not in the fellowship no but she oh let's let's do arwen yeah because yeah you know I would actually like. I know all the Earth women. the elf horses are like grays and dapples. Actually, would like because Arwen has that beautiful dark hair for Arwen to be like a very glossy black horse. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Oh, fuck. You know what? She would be. She would be like the fucking classic fantasy horse with the like super long tail. Here, mm. like fucking found it. Great. Here it is. Like. Cur- like curly mane and t- oh, like and like tail, a Frisian, super glossy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A Frisian like totally. My grandmother. 
Oh, <laughs> As in from from Friesland, not a horse. Joey has been keeping many secrets from the podcast. Wow, love to look at pictures of horses. Joey and I, I are both shopping for blankets for our couches right now and fell into the internet hole of looking at blankets with horses on them. I just, there are not a lot of good blankets with horses on them, I've got to say. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's a cool looking horse. Oh my god, oh my god. Okay, I know the Twitter thread that I need to do later, which is I'm going to do this game, but with only the horse cards from um, Herd Your Horses. Ooh. Okay. These are not necessarily like Arwen horses, but they are cool horses that I want you to see. Oh, fuck yeah. Great. Great stuff. Okay, that's, that's it. If you have your own questions that you would like us to answer... Uh, send them to us either on Twitter or send us an email at shadowfactspod at gmail.com. Yeah. We will be back next time with another movie episode. Oh, yeah. We don't know the time steps yet for you to follow along, but it'll be sometime. It'll be sometime. I think it'll be at least like 10 or 15 minutes, you know? If you are enjoying our absurd podcast, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. And is, wait, is that it? I don't know why I said and. <laughs> and. <laughs> and. If, good, if you've dis- good And if you've, disco- <laughs> if you've discovered the roots for the Shadow Facts ARG. Ooh. Oh my God. No, I'm just kidding. There's no the, ARG. The ARG is loving horses. You too can love horses in your real life. <laughs> you can go around and, and spot horses in the wild and archive them. Become a horse girl today. <laughs> For the low price of... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I was thinking recently about loving horses. <laughs> yeah. Also, and... it, there's no low price associated with horses. Not a one. I guess looking no. at pictures of horses is free, but right. you else... can Right. You can't have a horse for free, but you can love a horse for free. You can't even breathe on a horse for free. God damn. <laughs> Um, okay, my point is, I was thinking about, like, why do I love horses? Like, what is it about Joey, them? Joey, this is, this is a big, this is not, this is not a the last it's... two minutes of the podcast question, Joey. <laughs> no, I just, I, I mean, Joey. there are, hey, just let me finish, okay? <laughs> okay? There are answers to that question. I'm not getting into those. What I realized as I pondered that, though, is that it just feels nice to love something. Yeah. And, like, I feel like being a horse girl is its own reward. I think horses are a nice thing to, like, be a nerd about and love uh, because they're they're just good. And it just feels good to love horses and to know other people who love horses. That's all. It's like baseball trading cards, except they're free images from Google.com. Yeah. I... I think really what I'm trying to get at is part of it is like, you know, when you were a kid and you looked at pictures of horses and they were exciting and it was just, and like, it was so much easier and simpler to love things as a child. Yeah. You don't have to engage a lot of critical thinking skills to look at a a picture of a horse and be like, that's sick as shit. Yeah. And I feel like I am still able to love horses that way. And it's really nice. 
horses and i problematic fave <laughs> i can just like experience this sense of wonder whenever i look at a picture of a horse mm. it's good become a horse girl today experience <laughs> unadulterated wonder wow okay, okay for the love of god let's end this podcast <laughs> Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been ShadowFacts. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!